At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, well, uh, let's get into this show. This, will, this should be a good one. Um, it's Friday, April 8th, but this is going to air next week, I think. So, Thanks for coming in again. My pleasure, man. Uh, we enjoyed having you on Drinking Bros. A lot of good feedback. Uh, you are, you're, we were talking about it before the show. <clears throat> you're a uh, British light. I think you're a good... Uh, a stepping stone for Americans who can't, who still are, you know, upset about the whole colony situation. I'm a gateway drug yeah. to the real Britain. Yeah, you're right. Which is good because a week after hearing this, they're going to hear Douglas Murray, who's oh, quite a bit more British than you. Yeah, complete, like 100% <laughs> proof British. Very colonial, very imperial. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he still wants the Falklands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's got to have it. Uh, what uh, you said before uh, we got started here that you were um, you'd been friends with Douglas for a while. Yeah, how did you meet him? Through the show. So I brought him on oh, my yeah. show. We got on really well, and uh, we just kept in touch ever since. And then I went out to New York about a month and a half ago, mm -hmm. and uh, stayed with him in his apartment for a while. He makes a mean Manhattan cocktail. Mm. Staying does up. he smoke the? Does he smoke it as well, or just straight up Manhattan? Straight up Manhattan. Okay. Uh, rye usually. Mm. Yeah, rye is better. Uh huh. It's too sweet if you use anything other than rye, in my opinion. But it's a cocktail that doesn't have anything in that isn't alcohol. Yes, which right. is, I mean, that's that's what a cocktail is, right? Well, yeah, but sometimes it's a mixer, you know. Anyway, so <clears throat> uh, yeah, he's he's one of my favorite humans on the planet, and the episode that he does with you guys is going to be gonna be dope i've got him on my show as well that same week i'm really really excited to see yeah him. where where are you recording around? just in my so i've got a long stay airbnb mm. at the moment in austin near st edwards and uh it's perfect oh, quiet yeah. rapid internet we did that for the first two weeks when we first moved here actually we just had i had an airbnb with a uh, two or three bedroom airbnb and we had it was a nice living room with uh it's actually downtown like on third third or fourth street mm -hmm. and it had a big glass 
window that you could see all the weird shit happening out on the street. So it was pretty good. I always wonder, because I got a, a couple of cleans done since I've been there, and I always wonder what the cleaners think when they come in. They wonder if I'm doing like professional OnlyFans or something. Yeah, no, precisely. Porn, yeah. Precisely. That's the, you, you have to assume that that's what they're thinking. Everyone just defaults to porn. All, although maybe, I mean, independent media and podcasts are more... Austin, yeah, perhaps. LA, porn, yeah. OnlyFans. <clears throat> Van Nuys, definitely porn. Uh, so... For people who, had, who didn't see the uh, episode of Drinking Bros you were on, uh, give us a little background on you. You were a, um, you refer to yourself as a party boy, but you were a, a club promoter and shit? Professional party boy, yeah, for yeah. about 15 years. Um, and that's a lot. Yeah, it's a long time. Stood on the door of about 1,000 club <laughs> nights, right? Watched a million people go in and out of them. So that uh, tells you a lot about human nature, seeing people at 2 in the morning when they've <laughs> had a lot of drink. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the mask is off. For sure, for sure. So did that, uh, did some reality TV, mm. went on the UK's version of Love Island, Blue Tick on Twitter and Free Charcoal Toothpaste, all that stuff. Uh, came off, started a podcast about four years ago, Modern Wisdom, and then we're f- nearly 500 episodes deep now, three episodes a week. And that's where my passion goes. Still run the events and stuff in the UK, still got the ownership mm. and stuff back there. And then, yeah, I'm out here in Austin just having a fucking fantastic time. How long have you been here? Mm, four weeks or so. I did about a month in... Recorded with Jordan Peterson in San An, went to New York for a while, traveled around, came back, been here for about four mm. weeks. And the, uh, the podcast, Modern Wisdom, um, people ask us about this a lot as well. There's, there seems to be a gap in understanding how to be a human being from our parents' generation to Gen Z. Like, we've been able to figure it out, but we haven't done a very good job of communicating it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I can't tell if we're just treading water, and it's been so much just constant bullshit that, uh, or maybe it's the digital age and kids are being raised by iPads now, but it seems like uh, we haven't done a very good job of being a conduit about how to be a person. From to the people that are millennials or from, sorry to the people that are gen Zers or whatever now yeah yeah so from i guess from <clears throat> boomer and older x to younger x and millennial yeah to Z. well the problem with the boomer to our generation mm. right is that the world changed so much all the right. wisdom that our parents accrued no longer really <laughs> works in this world how do you, what are you going to tell me about how to date in a world that didn't have smartphones let alone right, instagram yeah. let alone tinder Right, you have a global dating marketplace mm-hmm. now. When our parents were growing up, it was probably two to one men to women in college, and by twenty thirty, it's going to be two to one women to men right. at four year US <clears throat> colleges. Women are out earning men between twenty and thirty by a thousand pounds a year. Mm. That would have been reversed by a huge margin. So, so all of the dynamics around things that people really care about, where they can live, has been opened up with remote work. Right, what they can do for a job. People don't have jobs for life anymore. The way that they get a relationship, all of that's changed. And we now have a society which is the oldest that it's ever been Mm -hmm. on average and has the longest to live that it's ever had. So people are living longer and they're currently the oldest on average. All of it, it's just everything's upside down. So kind of part of it is like, well, how would they have had many lessons that you could have passed on? However, I do agree that it is certainly the duty of the people now Mm. that are accruing that wisdom to try and pass it down, to try and teach people to operate well. I think there's probably some fundamentals, right? Like 
being a decent human being. Telling example. the truth is yeah. the first one. Well, telling the truth is in short supply. And not, not even just from person to person, but being honest with oneself now seems to be elusive. Um, and it's, it's interesting you mentioned the dynamics of uh, human pair bonding. I mean, it's, it's almost like diet, right? So 10,000 years ago, we struggled to find sugar and carbs, and we craved them now biologically like at our core we crave them but we don't really need that shit mm-hmm. like we used to <clears throat> and part of the being honest thing is being honest about what it what the the dynamics of gender attraction have been over the years right women are better at uh certain things men are better at certain things hunting and fucking shit up and protecting people women are better at teaching kids how to not be assholes um <clears throat> but uh, from the masculine point of view, uh, I've always considered the, the main tenets of that to be to provide and protect, right? Just from, from a tribal humanity all the way through the present. And I guess if uh, women are going are to begin to out-earn men, that does disrupt that dynamic in some way. It, it isn't, I don't know why people would consider that taboo or sexist to even have that conversation, because it's reality that's happening. So maybe... Maybe respond to what reality is, right? In a way that, that you can still be responsible. You don't have to be a cunt about everything. We, we, it seems like anytime you're disagreeable about something, like, no, that doesn't make sense. Or like, what are you, fucking transphobe? Like, no, dude, I'm just, just saying it doesn't make sense. Well, it's a Please unique, explain it to me. It's, it's a unique uh, situation that we're in now where women are out-earning men. Mm. Uh, and you have a lot of movements that have come out of the side of this, right? So for the first time ever since records began, more than 50% of women are childless by 30, mm. which is a bit of a shock. Uh, you have the number of men between the ages of 18 and 30 reporting no sex in the last year has tripled in the last 10 years, right? That's tripled in the last 10 years. That's wild to go through that. You have rates of divorce increasing, globalized sexual marketplace, all this sort of stuff. These are just changes to the environment. This isn't, you you don't need to make a value judgment around this. But if people don't know, or if people aren't told, Mm -hmm. you can't adapt the way that you live appropriately. Yeah, I mean, that's, in in no way, in in no facet of life, whether it's uh, math or science or, you know, uh, building something or being a doctor, like if you have bad data, that's not going to work out. Less information is never a good thing. And bad information is also like garbage in, garbage out. That's what G-I-G-O, it's a data phrase uh, that a lot of people use. <clears throat> and we seem to have uh, I like uh, I like the phrase uh, from John Haight uh, uh, prepare your kids for the road. Don't prepare the road for your kids mm. because you can't always do one. Right. But we see our, our, <clears throat> when I say our, I mean just establishment politics and, and social elites have kind of made it a point to, to have their reaction be to protect people from reality instead of to expose them to reality and teach them how to navigate it. Right? I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm not sure we've ever done that as a species before. Well, you've got two ways to bring somebody's capabilities 
in line with the challenges that they're going to meet, mm. right? You can either bring their capabilities up or you can draw the challenges down. Right. And that's what helicopter or snowplow parenting, which is where you just completely move everything out yeah. of the way. We were, I think we were talking about this on the show last time to do with the increases in uh, peanut allergies. Right, yep. Um, so <clears throat> people may be aware that you have a certain number of children that are predisposed to peanuts, but a purposeful exposure to them at low levels you can actually buy i think it's uh, rice puffs coated in a very fine peanut dusting mm. and over time you increase the dosage it's like one percent five percent ten percent so on and so forth and you do that over the course of a few months and that actually enables that child to no longer be allergic to peanuts by the age of three or something but if you don't do it and you wait until five then that's it you're locked in for life and what you have because the furor around peanuts has meant that everything has been completely blitzed of it children aren't having their whatever you would say like serendipitous exposure to it right but i mean it's got it that that's the same this is a, that's a very uh, uh specific biological uh, uh example of that <clears throat> but think of all the social examples mm-hmm. right like low level conflict resolution is is so important for people uh, uh, the metaphor I like to use is we start out really close together and we're whispering like, hey, I don't like that. Then we get farther apart and we're like full volume. Hey, I don't like that. And then we're farther apart and we're yelling, hey, I don't fucking like that. And then we're so far apart that the only thing that we can reach each other with is our, our projectiles, right? Like bombs and bullets and shit. And that seems to be happening. <sighs> the, the more you stave off low-level conflict, the larger it becomes. I mean, we know that in our personal lives. You can't just fucking pretend like a problem doesn't exist in the perpetuity and expect it's just going to go away. Bad news doesn't get better with time. And in every other fucking field of expertise, we do this. If you're teaching a kid to play baseball, you start out with a tee and a ball. Then a coach is pitching to him. Then they're pitching to each other. The mound gets farther. The field gets bigger. It's yesterday was opening day for baseball. That's why I'm talking about baseball. I know you don't understand how it works. Cricket, mate. You should. You guys should try cricket. <laughs> I'm going to actually. Uh, our producer Bob over there. I'm fucking down. He downloaded a fucking cricket uh, video game on his phone. He's been playing it. It's fucking. I go. have been, and uh, <laughs> I just like I'm a total dick to all the foreigners that I beat in it <laughs> when I beat them in it. <laughs> like I can't. You can't like type shit. You can't be like, yeah, I own you, you fucking Indian. But like, you can. <laughs> You can like put out emojis that convey that you fucking some poor twelve year old from yeah. Bangladesh, yeah, being it's, it's a kid that has you. nothing else in life, yeah, and you took what he did. Uh, from the him. amount of the, <laughs> see, this is why you don't have nice things. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is for sure. But yeah, anyways, the baseball metaphor is apt, and it's the same way. Like if you were training somebody on a dangerous piece of machinery, or even how to use a language, you start at the basics and you work your way up, and. <clears throat> One of the most important things a human being is ever going to learn is how to treat and interact with other people, right? Might, that might be the most important thing you ever learn. And we've taken that away from kids. Like if we see kids arguing on the playground, like, no, that's not, that's bullying. That's not okay. And maybe some of it is bullying, but there's going to be bullies in life. So this is something that I keep on finding in pretty much every conversation I have, that there's a kernel of truth mm. at the very sort of epicenter of it. And then what's happened is that's been blown out of proportion. And the kernel of truth that you have with that is some interactions between kids that involve disagreement 
is bullying. For sure, yeah. Therefore, there should be some amount of interjection done by teachers. If you just said, right, it's a free-for-all, it's like mm. fucking Lord of the Flies or the Hunger Games or something. <laughs> yeah. Out in the <clears throat> playground. That's not going to work. But, again, because of this overbearing, overreaching uh, lack of discomfort that we have, that we're predisposed to now. But, dude, think about if your parents can... Postmates a Michelin star meal to their house while they watch Netflix from a TV they Amazon primed from their phone. That you know, everything now has snowplowed discomfort out of the world. <clears throat> yeah. To the point that if you're not somebody that actively seeks it, it's very easy to avoid it. It is. We've made a. We've made like our hobbies now are to seek discomfort. It's so fucking weird. We go out of our way yeah. to find active discomfort. We, we have to because society's tried to shield it. And look, one of the functions of society is to shield us from existential threats. And we've somehow managed to conflate a, a discomfort with an existential threat when that could not be farther from the truth. Like, the only reason we exist is because of the discomfort we've gone through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, <clears throat> you can see people who avoid discomfort. Typically, overweight, purple hair, right? I mean, it's they've... It, for a very long time, from the 70s, probably until the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, <coughs> excuse me, these folks kind of hid from society or they had these little cliques. They were goth kids or they were whatever, right? Uh, outgroups. And at some point, they were convinced that it wasn't their duty to find a way to join and navigate society, but it was society's duty to come find them and bring them you know, on board. And I, maybe that just goes in hand with the victim mentality. <sighs> Man, that's dangerous. There are only some people, though, you know, to try and sing the, whatever you want to say, the positive note for this. Mm. Increasingly, I'm seeing people that understand that that's not the way that they want to live their life. Right. Think about the number of people that have CrossFit, right? Mm. As, a, as a workout methodology is absolutely ridiculous why would you choose and i love it but why would you choose to do that it's just making your lungs bleed and making yourself hurt it's a hurt locker and the same thing goes for spin classes for doing hot yoga all this stuff right yeah andy Vercel is a buddy of mine he's got that 75 hard bullshit at first i know so many people that have done that this year like thousands and thousands of people who do that did you i didn't i have buddies that do it like one or two times a year at least i didn't know this until yesterday that if you miss a day you have, you have to, to go back all to the, the yep. fucking beginning, yeah. man. Like it, when, you, when I say miss a day, like if you don't read 10 pages. If you, or, do, if you miss one of the yeah, things yeah. on God one of the days. I might do it soon just to see if I can even do it. Like I, the, the hard part for me would be drinking. Not because I, I don't really drink that much, but I own a fucking booze company and we do events all the time. And it mm. would be kind of weird for me to be like, oh, no, I don't drink. You'd have to time it right. Yeah, yeah maybe. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> maybe I'll just put, keep that part out. Um, <laughs> 75 kind of hard. Yeah, 75 medium. Um, But yeah, it's people have made... I mean, it used to be that we would navigate the Oregon Trail, you know, and now we go hiking for fun Mm -hmm. or we go camping for fun or we go hunt when we don't need to. I'm I'm not sure that I see too much of a problem with people living lives of increased comfort with chosen discomfort outside of that as long as they're able to... To, to bring that in. I understand that yeah, by, yeah. by uh, offering most people a comfortable life, very few people 
on average, mm. are going to choose to go and find discomfort. And you maybe have some externalities of too much comfort, right? Obesity mm. and diabetes and depression and loneliness and stuff like that. If you can sedate yourself and kind of give, you, give yourself the simulacrum of, con- of connection mm. through a phone, but not actually have that, you're, you're sedated by something that's more easy to get than yeah. the real thing, but mm. you're not getting the real thing, so you're actually degrading in terms it's of your quality same, of life. It's the same thing you said last week about fame. Like, you get fame now without having to do any of the things that it used to require to get famous, like become a great political leader or become a great business person or something else. Or fame even, is an end in itself. Yeah, like it's, you've taken all the effort out of it, right? I mean, and that's not entirely true because even a lot of these people who have gotten famous accidentally, I guess, could say that, but a lot of people grind it out, right? But then the fame, just because you work hard at your job, doesn't mean people should listen when you talk. That's the main concern that I have, I think, around what we're teaching young people to do with fame, Mm. is what does it teach people? It teaches people not to work very hard for a long period of time Mm. at one thing and develop mastery. It teaches them that you're supposed to have luck, right? That you just plucked out of obscurity and then put up on a pedestal through some reality TV show or through some random video of you doing drinking cranberry juice on a skateboard on tiktok or something like that's how you do it and i'm not convinced that that creates the sort of generation atmosphere work ethic that's actually going to develop anything other than more tiktok videos and more reality tv but don't you think the so the boomer version of work ethic in my opinion was noble but naive and when i say naive i mean that they were working for corporations that were doing very little for them right and now we've seen quite a bit more of that there's <clears throat> finally there's this uh a re I, I, a lot of people refer to it as a reimagining of the workplace uh working from home i don't think is the big part of that i think it's the relationship between workers and management and i don't think that organized labor has done very much positive shit for like 100 years now right i mean what uh, there there's been some movement I guess organized labor was pretty influential in the uh, civil rights era. But since then, it's been kind of like a lot of corruption and a lot of people like uh, Randy Weingarten at uh, American Federation of Teachers who, like if if you work for a teacher's union or you're a teacher, your job, your, your first priority should be to do the best for children possible, I think. Right. Like if you're involved in any way in the process of developing children into adults, and it's just not been the case for these people. They've routinely like sabotaged movements that were actively helping kids. <clears throat> and over the last two years they've tried really hard to keep schools closed down. And we have incontrovertible data that shows that is extremely harmful to children. So <clears throat> I wonder if we're not seeing some kind of overreaction now. I mean, you should expect that, right? If people are abused long enough, they're going to fucking lash out. And I wonder, like, everybody complains about not being able to find good workers anymore. I hate to just write that off as lazy. The next generation is lazy. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I, don't, I think that is a weak 
uh, answer to that it's question. It's too simplistic. Yeah. People are products of <clears throat> whatever it is that they've been brought through. Mm. I think that you're right with noble and naive from our parents' generation. Mm. And you see that with their lack of understanding around leverage. Also, mm. you didn't have as many accesses to leverage. Well, pe- people couldn't move across country and take a new job all of a sudden. Well, they could technically, but it was a much more Herkley, Herkley, oh God. Herculean task. God damn it. It yeah. was a huge effort to move from <laughs> one place to another. I can't fucking talk today. Yeah. So I think what you've done, you've enabled this sort of uh, global workplace as mm. well, right? You can be some dude in the northeast of the UK working freelance for pretty much any company on mm. the planet now, especially after the pandemic. So that ability to leverage your work, to be able to write a program once and sell it to an unlimited, basically 7 billion people, mm. that's, that ability to have leverage is something that we need to teach people. And that takes, that completely flips the power from it being gatekept through organizations. So think about it this way. Um, up until sort of the 1400s, I think, in England, there was no non-Latin translation of the Bible available. Yeah, until the uh, 1511 King James Version, I believe. It's, it was, I think it was Thomas Blackwell, I want to say, is yeah. the guy that did it. And he, mm. was, he was killed for it, right? Mm. Uh, and what he was doing was he was making access to Scripture, mm. access to God as well. He was emancipating that, right? He was yeah. uh, creating <clears throat> that in a way that allowed the common people to get access to it. I mean, it was intellectual feudalism, basically, right? I mean, that's what it is. And that's, we're seeing it again today, but continue. You had a gate-kept uh, ability for the normal people to access God. You had to go to church. <clears throat> you had to believe. You had to, the mm. priest was your conduit, right? From the normal person to God, priest the conduit. The same thing happened with work. Yeah. In between capital that workers wanted and the workers... <laughs> were companies. They mediated it. Yeah. They were the ones that were able to take it. How, you're some uh, brass worker or some shit, right? Like, what are you going to do? Go and ask people that need brass go if they door need brass? Yeah. yeah, no, you can't do that, <laughs> yeah. right? So you go to a company, mm. and the company is now your conduit. Now, that's been, we've had our King James Bible yeah. given to us. Yeah, we have, but we haven't figured out what to do with it yet, I don't think. Right. Some and people I, have. I don't know if the global market has figured it out either. So it t- let, let's t- let's go backwards a little bit <clears throat> to like even the early 20th century in America, all these textile mills and shit. They would pay you part of your salary in advance in a currency that would only work at their company store. Right. So <clears throat> you you live, let's say <clears throat> Austin downtown Austin, there's a, a, a mill that makes fucking cotton, right? Or that makes stuff out of cotton. Everybody in town works there in some facility or some capacity. <clears throat> in the early 20th century, particularly in the South, uh, my grandparents worked at a place like this. You li- everybody that works there lives in the same neighborhood, a neighborhood that was built by the company, right? And you are buying the home from the company or leasing it from the company in some instances. <clears throat> and you have a general store, but it's actually a company store. It's a general store owned by the company because they know people aren't going to drive 45 minutes away to buy common goods, right? They're just going to buy right there. So that company controls almost every facet of your life. So basically giving you tokens to then pay the company back to right. live to exist. But that's feudalism. That's what it is. Like you can like work. Like a baron that you need to live yeah. underneath. You yeah, can yeah, work, yeah. but I, I'm getting a piece of that, right? Mm. And that seems extremely problematic and it didn't take very long for it to happen in america where we said we weren't going to do that 
right? We said we weren't going to do feudalism. We said we weren't going to do an aristocracy, but we almost immediately developed both of those things. Why do you think that that repurposes itself, reinvents itself? Over and over. And, and since, like, <clears throat> even when the Vikings were first starting to fuck up uh, uh, they landed, mainland Europe a they, little bit. They landed about 10 miles away from where I live in. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, what was that, like the 10th century? Yes. Late 10th century, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from what we still know about that, feudalism already existed then uh, in, in England. I mean, it, the Roman Empire was feudalistic as well. Okay, so is, is it just that when you have a concentration of power, people then begin to try and gatekeep access to that power? By limiting things and by, uh, how would you say, controlling people, by collaborating with other people that have got high amounts of power to continue to keep this position, this uh, <clears throat> system in place? I would think so, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's also like taking it a step backward. Power concentrates. I think that's... Yeah, power laws are everything. That's yeah. the rule, right? I mean, you, understand, you guys understand this, right? Mm. Like, your, your guys' network will account for the same as the bottom 50% of podcasts in America. Mm. Right? Yep. Because they're all doing tiny amounts of plays. So right. everything concentrated. This is Jordan Peterson's work. I had, a, had him on my show not long ago. And the hierarchy stuff, yeah. Precisely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It concentrates at the top. And some of that's a good thing, you know? Like, well, when, when it's a benevolent, when it's, when it's uh, Augustus Caesar, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. When it's fucking uh, one of the assholes that followed after him, not so much. Right? Nero. Yeah, Nero was kind of a dick, I'm told. Uh, or a lunatic. One or the Both. other. Like, was he into cannibalism and shit? It's, I think he did some pretty wild stuff. Like dr- I think pretty sure blood, he cal- kill- killed one of his <clears throat> like young boy lovers for some reason, did some other kind of weird shit. There's a lot of media propaganda about Nero oh, who boy, just loved Rome. Hang on, okay? are you, he was are a we Roman that, patriot. Disinformation <laughs> from 2,000 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> a lot shit, of, son. Nothing's safe anymore. It was MSNBC. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't like Nero. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, those are... Um, it's, it seems to be like gravity, right? Uh, the guy, Steve, whatever, that astronaut that discovered how accretion works. Remember? Um, no. <clears throat> we didn't know how the moon came to be. We thought maybe it was a giant piece of rock that glanced off of us and just stayed in orbit or something like that. And then he put a bunch of salt in, a, in an empty bag while he was on the ISS <clears throat> and would shake it up and just look at it, and he would find that the salt would come back together somehow so i mean that makes sense but we didn't think about think about it at the time right? is the effect of that purely because each grain of salt has a mass. tiny 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 yeah. amount of gravity and then yeah. over time yeah okay. yeah it has some amount of mass right. so i mean maybe powers is like that and there's nothing you can do about that so maybe it's important to pay attention to the kind of people that we're putting in power and not say I'm voting for the lesser of two evils, for example, which is commonplace in America. One of the problems that you have is that as soon as people get power, it's very, very difficult to take it back from them. Nobody's ever voted their way out of a fucking tyranny. That's for sure. Well, <clears throat> you can do two things the way that I see it. And this is an interesting like, discussion I wanted to have with you about mm. kind of woke culture, especially seeing as we've both got Douglas coming on our show mm. soon. Um, there's two ways that I see that you can try and enact big social change, mm-hmm. right? You can mandate it top-down, bureaucracy, litigation, laws, advisories, guidelines, mm-hmm. education, or you can try and make it emergent bottom-up. Mm-hmm. And that's social enforcement, ridicule, satire, uh, 
limitations placed on you by your family, expectations, uh, <clears throat> Uh, shame praise is what you're praise no praise as well praise like sh- good, shame and praise yeah, yeah, yeah correct so you need to reinforce yeah. or, or disincentivize um and uh, this example is so good think about the word pc mm-hmm. right politically correct mm-hmm. which was maybe sort of early noughts 2000s mm-hmm. came out and very very quickly it was used and then even more quickly it was used as a satire of itself right right the pc mm-hmm. brigade coming over then think about the word woke. Woke came up and was used unironically. Yeah, for a while. In, in the first instance. Yeah. Then very, very quickly, you get comedians and online commentators and smart people that weaponize that word against the people that are using it in a ridiculous way. And now you can't say woke unironically. Right. My point <clears throat> is that satire and ridicule and emergent bottom-up enforcement is so much more useful and powerful than top-down bureaucracy. It's it's like an organic following. Like you can't it can't be corrupted in the same way that something that was done intentionally can. Well, think you about I mean? think about the difference between someone telling you a rule, right? Let's say um, speed limits, right? Mm-hmm. You can be told that this is the speed limit, therefore you might stick to it. Right. The alternative is somebody close to you saying, "Man, like I, I really, really." A close friend of mine was hit by a, yeah. a driver who was going too quickly. Or a sign that says danger ahead, people will slow down. But yeah. if it's a number, they won't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, That's weird, isn't it? It's just the fact that you can try and litigate whatever you want out of existence and mm. people will find a way around it. But if you make it so socially toxic to be associated with it that no one wants to, that's the most comprehensive panacea to shitty thought yeah. that you can think of. You know, it kind of reminds me when you say, when you interjected with praise and not just the negative part. It reminds me of uh, Joseph Fine's character in Enemy at the Gates. Have you seen Enemy at the Gates? No. It's a, it's a movie about uh, Vasily Zaitsev. He was a Russian sniper during World War II. He killed like 500 fucking people. Or something. Look it up, Bob. How many people did Vasily Zaitsev kill? I think it was like 519 or some shit like that. He was pretty good at murdering Germans. Um, <coughs> good. 242. Oh, that's it? Oh, I'm thinking of the Whoa. I'm thinking of the Finnish dude. The, this face was all fucked up. Never mind. Uh yeah, potentially. I'm trying to I'll find there's, that there's some on. there's some woman up there too that's pretty high on the kill list. And there's Carlos Hathcock, of course, US Marine. Did she poison a lot of people? So uh, the Finnish no, guy shot was, him in the face. Yeah, the Finnish guy was Simo. I'm not even gonna try this last no, name. No, I can't say it yet. <laughs> he had five hundred and forty two. Five forty two. The goat is actually an Iranian sniper during the Iran Iraq war. Uh, Ab Abdurrasul uh, Zarin had 700 plus kills. Yow. Wow, shit, son. Good for him. I mean, honestly, I don't. That's not that impressive to me. That's like beating up on third graders. I fought the Iraqis. They're not that good. Uh, but anyways, let's not get into a pissing contest with Iraq. We've already lost that, I guess. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, but it reminded me of that because there's a point where the uh, Politburo in Russia is pissed off that people keep running away from the fight and shit, so they start executing people. And the guy's like, look, you need to stop trying to force people into honorable, honorable positions and give them something honorable to aspire to. Yes. And that was Vasily Zaitsev. They started writing all these propaganda papers about him fucking killing Germans and shit. Mm-hmm. But it's, <clears throat> it reminds me of, uh, what's the dude's name? James Dobson. He's a Christian psych- child psychologist. I'm not into religion, but I remember reading his book uh decades ago <clears throat> in uh like i think it was in the 90s and it, one of the phrases was the more frequently you catch your kids doing the right thing the less frequently you'll catch them doing the wrong thing and i i agree with that i think i mean just we're having worked in marketing 
for a company that now has a five and a half billion dollar market cap. I feel pretty confident in saying that hate sells for sure. It'll get clicks and shit, but to get people to be a firebrand for your for your product, giving them something honorable to aspire to. Aspirational marketing is so much more effective than anything else we do. Well, think about what people want from a marketing campaign. You're telling them this is what your life will be like mm-hmm. if you consume this product. That's the, the first thing that you learn when you s- try to start whatever it is that you're doing. You're not selling someone on the features of what your product does. You're selling them on the kind of life that they will have if they have it, right? That's a very aspirational, yeah. upward-focused, transcendent view. That's what people should be aiming for. Did, did I say this last time about the in 2012 – most people were voting for the hatred of the yeah. other party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So 2012, the, the study showed that most people that were voting, either Democrat or Republican, weren't doing it out of love for their own party. They were doing it out of hatred for the other party. And that's the most fragile way that you can piece something together because yeah. it's, it's held together by mutual hatred of an outgroup, not mutual love of an in-group. Right. And that means you're constantly vigilant for who's the next witch that we can burn at the stake. Yeah because they're not sufficiently pure. That's what the purity spiral is. The circular firing squad, yeah. we just keep going. The, that story about um, uh, the Russians clapping, one of the uh, previous uh, Russian SARS or something, mm. made everybody stand up and clap, and everybody kept on clapping, and everybody kept on clapping, and the first person that stopped was shot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you go, okay, like, what do you want here? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I think that's, that's a better point than, than fear or, or shame. Or a better, better methodology. I mean, the, uh, the woke mob clearly is just trying to shame everybody into being what they want them to be. And it, I think it's a great misunderstanding of what motivates human beings. Uh, and maybe it's, it's, a lot of it is like revenge, rage, revenge. Fear. Yeah. A lot of fear, yeah. I think. <clears throat> Hell of um, a lot of fear. And but it's a misunderstanding, I think. Like, if you want it to be effective, you should do it. In a different yeah. way, 100%. Well, like, the left in, in America, <clears throat> say what you want about the coarseness of the way Trump campaigned in 2020, or I'm sorry, in 2016, but make America great again was what he kept saying, right? And while the left was trying to shame people into doing things, he kept saying, this country can be great again, we just have to do this. and. Woke people thought that everybody on the, that voted for him, everybody that was Republican was a racist, right? Instead of just realizing that, no, they were responding to the fact that he was, despite being a coarse <laughs> uh, speaker, definitely it was, there was a positive tone to everything. Hopeful. Yeah. And that's, <clears throat> I think it's led to a lot of stupid bullshit, to be honest. Like the, the antagonistic relationship between, like if somebody says, we need to make this country great again, and what, what, what can your response be to that? The country's already great. So you don't have any problems with the country or how it's going because you fucking protest and bitch all the time, right? I make, make, I'm not telling everybody to go buy a fucking red hat. I'm just saying that it's very clear that hope, hopeful and aspirational marketing, whether it's in products or campaigns, works in, entirely better. And that's something you should pay attention to. Like if you're working... <clears throat> in any form of natural sciences from physics to fucking biology, whatever it is, or if you're working in, in, uh, uh, in psychology, you have to pay attention to the things, 
that don't go against the grain, stuff that happens freely, right? And then try to take advantage of those things. That's playing on easy mode as opposed to playing on hard mode. Yeah. I mean, it's like fucking Buddhism. Go where the wind takes you. But that, that people are like, oh, that's a bunch of hippie bullshit. Like, no. Why the fuck are you trying to ice skate uphill? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And it doesn't make any sense that the response to it was everybody on that other side must have a negative motivation <clears throat> because they want the country to be great. I mean, that is, that's, that's, a, that's a non sequitur. That doesn't make any sense to me. One of the problems that you have, if someone or some group decides to start speaking in a negative way, mm. one of the few, it's very easy to get drawn into a, a hypocritical pointing match, right? Mm-hmm. You've identified a problem with my side. Right. Okay, I'm going to identify a problem with your side. Instead of addressing the problem with my side. Or instead of saying, okay, how do we just make this better? Because mm. that's a problem-oriented viewpoint, mm. not a solution-oriented viewpoint. So this is one of my, my criticisms with the right is that because they're so focused, myopically focused mm. on the ridiculousness that comes from the left, they're constantly playing defense. Yeah. All that they do mm. is play defense. And I understand you have got the most recent transgression of women's sports or bathrooms or media lying or bias or agenda or whatever, mm. right? You have a thing which happens. The media lies. Okay, we get it, right? That's a thing. It happens. But if all that you're ever doing is reacting to what happens from usually either the left or media, you don't ever actually end up proposing anything. You don't right. ever move your own agenda forward because you're constantly playing defense in a reactionary way. Right. All right, Chris, give me a minute. Let me do these ads right quick and we'll get back into this conversation. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. It's the best deal they offer. It's... Uh, if you need the adjustable base, right, and you, I feel like you do, uh, you don't want just a regular bed platform. You want to be able to lean up a little bit. Uh, get to, it's, it's got the vibrating massage thing. It's got everything. So uh, you get those two things together. Everything else you add on your order, all 40% off. Uh, everything else is uh, 30% off at if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros every mattress has a 20-year warranty some even have 25 they're all cooling mattresses you can try it out for 101 nights uh you can buy a mattress with their zero down zero financing plan for around 35 25 35 bucks a month uh you can extend that all the way out to 60 months again that's zero down zero percent financing uh go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and get those deals uh next up is Babel. Language for life. And they really mean it. It's, it's uh, instead of a classroom environment that's boring, they gamify everything. Uh, and, you know, for most of us, learning a second language in high school was, was mm-hmm. completely pointless. It was required. You had to do it to graduate, so we all did it. But you didn't really learn any of that stuff. I don't remember anything I learned in high school. Uh, uh, from, the, uh, from the language classes. Now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. There's all kinds of ways to do this. 15-minute lessons make it a perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Uh, other language learning apps use AI for their lessons plan- lesson plans, you know, like a- the same kind of AI that is used by these social media companies to algorithm the hell out of you. Uh, Babbel is created by 100 language experts, people that are actually experts at teaching language, not a computer system. 
Their, me- their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. You can choose from 14 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German, and they have speech recognition technology to help you out with your accent. There's all kinds of ways to use Babbel in addition to the lessons. Uh, you can, there's podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Uh, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't like it, no hard feelings. Right now, save up to 60%. That's 60% off your subscription when you go to Babbel dot com slash American. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash American for up to 60% off your subscription Babbel language for life. Uh, last, not least, Lucy Gum. Uh, we'll talk about it here. Nicotine. Oh, there, there's all kinds of benefits to this sort of thing. We're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or unwind. Some people like it for energy. Uh, Spices them up a little bit. Lucy's a modern oral nicotine company that takes uh, makes nicotine gum, lozenges, pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. Uh, you know, we, we've told this story before, but Aubrey, Marcus, and a couple other people that have been using uh, a variety of different types of nootropics over the years turned us on to this stuff. Um, I know that... Uh, Tucker Carlson uses it quite a bit as well. Uh, he certainly had a had a wad in his mouth when I was there. Uh, if you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's at lucy.co. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. And promo code uh, for that is American. A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N. If you can't spell American, you shouldn't be listening to this. Uh, also, I have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember... If you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.com. I'm sorry, lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code American. Yeah, I don't know how much you pay attention to American politics. I mean, it's been kind of impossible not to for the last five or six years. Like a soap opera, yeah. yeah. But uh, we there hasn't been a a, like a really a really conservative president since probably Eisenhower, right after World War II. You could you could make an argument, I guess, for Nixon a little bit, but Reagan raised taxes in five of the eight years he was in office, tripled the national debt. Um, <clears throat> Bush senior, maybe, right? But he's an establishment CIA guy whose dad was in the oil business. Like, how conservative could he be? George W. Bush presided over the largest expansion of the federal government in the history of this country and started two wars uh, meant to be regime change wars, right? That's not what conservatives do either. Like, we're coming off the Monroe Doctrine in the early 20th century. All of a sudden, we're fucking doing nation building, which he campaigned against, by the way. <clears throat> I guess you could call Trump conservative to some degree. Certainly not Republican. But now I don't even know what that means. Well, uh, we were talking about this before we started, that mm. the distinction now between left and right is arbitrary. It's, it is, yeah. It, it's no longer what it was, right? Left and right were about class, Typically, right. yeah. that was what it was about. Yeah, the, the left was supposed to be the party of the working class, right? But, I mean, Batya talks about this quite a bit. That is just simply not the case anymore, and it hasn't been for quite a while. So there is no party for the working class anymore. And you're seeing people get more and more disillusioned by these shitbag politicians. Stacey Abrams lost an election and quadrupled her net worth in two years after. That probably shouldn't be the case. Fuck, man. Actually, uh, fuck, the Daily Beast, which is as left as it gets, wrote an article about that this morning. Like, hey, 
what the fuck? <laughs> Even them, they're throwing their own under the bus. But he- that's the thing. That's what you're saying. That, or that's, this is a byproduct of what you're saying. There is a blurred line between because these two institutions no longer do what they're supposed to do. People are shocked that Trump got elected. Why? People were tired of fucking politicians. Of course they're going to elect a reality TV star, which is how we get half of our fucking news these days, right? Uh, and no surprise at all to me. Well, there was no surprise in the UK when, I don't know whether you looked at the 2019 general election, the biggest landslide change ever since like the 70s, like 40, 50 years. You mean from like Tories to conservatives? Correct. Yeah, no, for, yeah. From so Tories and conservatives are the same. Uh, uh, Labour I mean, is... Uh, Labour, yeah, yeah Labour's the other yeah. one. Um, so they lost seats in the most working class towns, mm. people whose daddies were minors and their daddies were minors and yeah. they hated Margaret Thatcher and blah, blah, blah. So, and you had these labor strongholds that had been completely whitewashed. Right. And that mm. happened in 2019. And what I said to my friends was, um, what you've got is this sort of very bourgeois, very stuffy, academic, intellectual view from the left about mm. what's important for working class people and what they should focus on, which doesn't resonate with what they've got. That's why they're not concerned, right? right? Now, rolling the clock, this is early 2020, and I'm mm. thinking, okay, are we going to see the and same thing? This is thing? on the heels of the Brexit vote too, which was... Correct. Are we going to see the same thing happen in America? Yeah. And what happened, what would have been really, really interesting would have been if Trump had won, even if it was only by a, a, a small amount, because mm. you could have then made a very strong case look, this wokey identity politics mm. thing isn't working. And the bottom line is that politicians and governments need to stay in power. So for as long as they can try and inject an ideology into what it is that they do, the first thing that they need to try and do is be effective, right? They need to actually get themselves fucking voted in. You would think it would be a meritocracy of some sort, but the, mer- the, the, the agents of the meritocracy are us, in how we react to their bullshit. And if we accept it or if it's, large it's people do. Not being effective at doing their job, being effective at being voted in. Correct, yes. So yep. being effective at being <clears throat> voted in for rolling in 2020 election, what's going to happen? Are we going to get there? Mm. And had you have had two huge kind of upsets, in both the, in the in UK the West, and yeah. in the USA, <clears throat> I think that you would have had a very different view around identity politics and wokeness because you'd have said, look, Bottom line is this stuff just seems to not resonate with the electorate, and that is the thing that politicians fundamentally care about. Uh, rolling the clock forward, 2022, have you got a preference for who you want to run for the Republican Party, if you could pick? Are you asking me? Yes. Um, I mean, I don't give a fuck about the Republican Party, to be honest. But you care about conservatives and conservative values, <clears throat> it seems. Um they're not going to be enacted I, to, by to some Democrats. degree. Like I, I, there, there are liberal values that I think are important as well. Like I think uh, that, that this is my big problem with all this, <clears throat> the, this, the tumult and the and the discourse. <sighs> there are just so many studies that show an intact household with a masculine figure and a feminine figure produce the best children. Now sometimes it's two fucking gay dudes. Sometimes it's two lesbians. Sometimes it's a man and uh, and a woman. <clears throat> Sometimes it's a single mom with a with a fucking uncle or a football coach or something. But that produces the best outcome, and there's no question about that, right? And I think in politics it's the same. The same way that um, gravity and power, right, are the same. We need a debate. We, well, first of all, we have to establish certain principles that we all agree on. 
right? Like life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, for example. We wrote a document about it. Uh, sorry about kicking you guys out. Uh, Did one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to agree on certain principles, but this debate between strength and empathy has to, has to happen. And it has to happen in a genuine way with everybody's cards on the table. And it's not. It's not happening. And everybody's forgotten who they are in the conversation. Now we're fucked, right? So I care about conservatism insofar as I think that individual liberty and personal entrepreneurship are the ultimate inoculation to tyranny. That's, I believe that. But I also believe that telling people that they can be as healthy as they can afford to be in the wealthiest country in the history of the world is immoral at best, if not fucking outright evil. So we can have these conversations about <clears throat> healthcare and shit like that and national defense, and I'm, I'm here for it, but I don't believe any of these people that are telling me stuff when they're trying to just get in power. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't trust any politician. Not having nationalized healthcare as someone that comes from mm. England where we have, and for people that don't know, that means that whatever happens to you, you get taken into hospital and it gets fixed. Yeah. And it doesn't cost you anything. You don't pay insurance. You pay your taxes, right? Which everybody right. already pays. It gets fixed. There's no, you've, you've lost three fingers, but you can only afford to put two back on. Yeah. There's none of this bullshit, right? Um, not having that, to me, seems primitive and barbaric. Yeah. It I, seems I mean, it, it begins insane. To having, having a healthcare apparatus like that begins from the premise that our human capital is our most important resource. And I believe that more than anything. What do you think America thinks, or what do you think the people in power of America believe is their most important resource? <clears throat> well, I mean, it depends on which group of people you ask, right? The patrician class is going to say power, because they think that, <clears throat> whether they'll say it out loud or not, and every now and again they do it on accident, um, you guys aren't smart enough to do this. Trust so, us. Yeah, we're going to handle it for we'll you. We'll look after you. Yeah, which is, uh, anybody that begins conversation with trust me don't that's a pretty good rule of thumb right because people that deserve trust usually don't have to ask for it um <clears throat> that being said um I, I do think um it's probably better I, I can't think of somebody on the left that I would trust to be in charge right now i would like there to be but i don't know if i can think of anybody just off the top of my head I mean, a lot of Republicans are infatuated with Joe Manchin, but this dude is so wrapped up in coal investments and stuff. Like, he's getting, he's making millions of dollars off of the decisions he's making. Is your man from Florida not got a good chance? Uh, DeSantis? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, he's, but he's Republican. I'm talking about, like, I, just thinking about the left versus right thing. Okay, yeah. Like, there's no way, Biden doesn't know where he is. He, the other day when uh, Obama shows up to the White House, he's like wandering around, doesn't know where he is. Nobody wants to talk Can to him. Can you imagine? Shit. So obviously everybody knows that he's got some age-related yeah. sort of degradation. Can you imagine being the probably group of people that's in charge of being his carer or minder? You know, the, the guy or collection of guys whose job it is to roll Joe out yeah. and to make sure that he doesn't start talking about his leg hairs, that he doesn't forget somebody's name, that he doesn't try and... Well, we've seen him cut mics, cut video feeds... But can you imagine, like, the, the level of ambient anxiety? I always think about, you know, because we see the front end, but I'm fascinated by the back end. Yeah. I'm fascinated by what it's like behind the scenes. That, that, that guy that goes to work every day and his wife says to him, 
honey, what have you got going on today? And he goes, oh, well, I'm taking President o- ex-President <laughs> Obama's coming to the White House. It's yeah. going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it would be really, I think uh, it would be super interesting to have a genuinely honest conversation with Jen Psaki. Like, that would be amazing. Because just the stuff that she would... Know. That she would know and have to tell you if she was like... If you gave her... If it was like the movie Liar, Liar, and she all of a sudden couldn't lie to you. And that's the same for any White House press secretary, I guess. But this one seems particularly bad because they're hiding cognitive decline, which I find problematic. Who's that... (laughs) Who's that congresswoman that was in the armed forces? Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, is she... She's... Democrat, right? Uh, sort of. She's like a blue dog Democrat, which, which is uh, to say um, a little bit more conservative on things like national defense and border security. Given that she's from the armed forces, makes yeah. a good bit of yeah. sense. But, I mean, she would be – people seem to respect her and trust her. She ran as a Republican, and the powers that be hated her. No, 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 Democrat. Yeah, yeah. yeah so she, like in the first presidential debate in 2020 – uh, for the Democrats, she lit Kamala Harris the fuck up, and Kamala Harris dropped out two days later. Like she, she ended her campaign. Um, and then I love some girl on girl action. Yeah, well, clip that. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> uh, and then in the weeks following that, uh, Hillary Clinton started to propagandize that she was a Russian asset. This woman who is a uh, major or lieutenant colonel now, a helicopter pilot who transitioned over to civil, uh, civil affairs, I believe, uh, actively serving our country, is a Russian agent. She was, was allowed to say all that stuff with no recourse taken against her. Um, but yeah, I like, I like Tulsi. I mean, I, th- I feel like she says... <clears throat> she falls into that trap of saying what people want to hear a lot. Uh, the other guy you were referring to, DeSantis in Florida, the governor. Uh, yeah, I like him. Seems like an art guy. I mean, compared to the people that are in charge now, it's not even close. He definitely seems like he's got a backbone. He seems like Trump without Twitter, which I think <laughs> is something that a lot of people really wanted. Yeah. You know what Stop I mean? Stop tweeting, please. Yeah. Um, like, if you, you, we all know the rules of the game. These people are trying to find any reason they can to stop you from doing the shit you're trying to do, and you're giving them all the ammunition they need. Why? Like, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I understand... <laughs> a lot of what he was saying because I disagree with all the talk about voting machines and shit like that. I just think it's like, you don't need to hack voting machines when you can hack people's minds. When they think that all Republicans are racist because of X, Y, Z, the dynamics that you mentioned before, right. Of social anxiety and shame and shit come into play. Well, I don't want to be associated with that. So I'm not going to vote for him. It's exhausting. Well, that was a much simpler solution, right? <clears throat> yeah. It's Hanlon's razor. Correct. Like, and, and also quite a it's bit more effective. It's both Occam's and Hanlon's, yeah, right? Yeah, Do not yeah, attribute yeah. to malice that which can be explained yeah. by stupidity and, and the, the one that has the least... Answer, yeah, yeah, the, yeah I mean, it's, correct. It, it's, it's definitely... <laughs> I mean, just think about that. How, what's more difficult to have some fucking click farms in... Bangladesh churning out content that's making the other side look bad and propagandizing on a digital media platform that reaches three and a half billion people 
or to hack individual voting machines. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Where's I mean, the paper trail going to be? Yeah, more like that's serious. Stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Well, <clears throat> one of the things we found with Dominion is that there would never be a paper trail either way, which seems problematic. But even then, I I've been involved in enough war and conflict and intrigue, I guess, to know that <clears throat> there are people who try to outsmart themselves sometimes and fuck up, but it's really obvious. Most people that are trying to do shit like that just take the path of least resistance. What's the easiest way that we can make the biggest impact? And it's clearly just through social media. Like, you don't... <sighs> do you think that there'll Ugh. ever be... Or how long do you think it'll be until there's an uncontested election again? Because there's no way that your next one is going to happen and then not be whoever wins. Huge allegations around voter fraud, voter ID, restrictions around minorities being able to vote, Mm. or these people, or access, or remote voting, or postal voting, or any of that. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, and it's not just even... uh, It's not even up to the... The, the system or institution itself, it's up to how the media and social media report it. I mean, if, if, it's, if this narrative is, can, is going to continue that certain groups of the population are, are incapable of getting identification, which I've not seen any evidence to that effect, then there's always going to be that argument, regardless of what else happens. And even even if it's even if it's a landslide victory, there, you still can argue. Like, if there's a landslide victory, and a <clears throat> a minority population gets uh, disenfranchised, even if it's less than what it would have taken to win the election, that's still a fucking problem. I mean, and I mean that sincerely. That's a real problem if anybody gets disenfranchised. But it seems to me, again, there's a simple solution to this. If there are members of the community. Let's say this premise is true, like steel man the argument. Let's say the, there are certain people because of class, <coughs> excuse me, or race or whatever the fuck else, can't get ID to go vote. So let's go out there and get them ID. That's the solution, not to weaken the fucking integrity of our election. How could it be the latter? That doesn't make any sense. Why not just go fucking find these folks? Like, hey, you want to vote? Cool. Are you on paper? You're not on paper? Cool. Let's get you fucking registered to vote. Here's your ID. Done. I will, if instead of when you file your taxes here, they ask you if you want to donate to the fucking elections. I always check now because fuck that. But if it was, do you want to donate to make sure every human being in this country has an ID and those who are eligible can vote, then I'm all in on that. Right? Like that's, that, that is the, the very obvious solution to that. But that's not a wedge. That's an actual solution. And we've learned it from American healthcare. We don't sell cures here. We sell fucking treatment. And it's a big fucking problem. And that's why I'm black-pilled. <laughs> I haven't noticed. Yeah. I haven't noticed at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange one, man. I'm going to be... The, the problem that I have, or one of the main problems that I have, is that whatever happens in the US, if you guys cough, then we catch a cold. Right. And... Well, hopefully our housing market doesn't crash again and that fuck would, over the entire world. That would suck, yes. Mm. That wouldn't be good. Uh, but culturally as well, you know, we had uh, BLM protests in the UK. Thankfully, ours didn't involve raiding footlockers and setting shit on fire <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but we do do kind of like America light mm. now. 
you know, the same like difference I am to Douglas Murray, like we are to you guys. Right. And that does concern me because there's some things that happen over here that you think I'm really fucking glad that we don't have that in the UK. And the problem is that because of the ubiquity of social media and the, for better or worse, still the sort of cultural leadership that you guys hold Mm. in the world, uh, that's increasing the um, susceptibility that other countries have to you guys. Tell you who doesn't seem to be fucking impacted by Australia. Australia just, their their news organ, have you seen Sky News in Australia? Those guys just go after whatever they want. Yeah, I'm surprised, to be honest, as authoritarian as their government has appeared over the last couple of years, that agency has been able to get away with pretty much everything they want to. And maybe, like that, a lot of people, conspiracy theorists would call that uh, controlled opposition, Mm -hmm. right? We're allowing them to exist, so... Like, people can rah-rah. It's like the Coliseum, right? Like, you can get all excited and we'll throw you some bread, but don't come up to my fucking palace or I'll kill you. Mm. Um, difficult <clears throat> to falsify that hypothesis, eh? Certainly, yeah. It's, black pills are all, always difficult to falsify, right? Because it's cynical in nature. Always like you're, you're, encompassing. Yeah, 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 I mean, you can't... Uh, I, I said this the other day, I'm black-pilled because I don't believe that any form of government scales. Like, I feel like in the West from English common law to our constitution in the U S this is a pretty good attempt at creating a government <clears throat> that, uh, that is truly a form by the people. And it's, in my opinion is, is failing and, and it's not failing because of the content of the, of the, uh, the ideology itself. It's failing because, at some point on the scale, uh, corruption and abuse of power becomes inevitable. And it becomes so large that you can't do anything about it anymore. And uh, I would rather hunt and build my own shit, frankly. Have you had Michael Malice on? Uh, no, but I know who he is. Dude. Good dude. Please. <clears throat> so his new book's called The White Pill, which he's mm. currently through like the second draft or some shit of it. <clears throat> and... um. I, I would really, really love to see you sit down and have a come. Reach out to him, bring him on. Yeah, well, he's he's down the street here, right? He's yeah, not yeah, too yeah, far yeah, away. He's in town. Yeah. And uh, his new book's the White Pill. And I, hearing what he's talking about here, because he has a lot of the same viewpoints as you, right? Mm. You know, he's um, very, way below libertarian. He's anarchist, right? Yeah. And on top of that, as well, he is his research for his new book is taking him way, way into the depths of depravity. Mm. The corporate media, the enemy of the people, right? That's his mm. thing. Yeah, I've, I've heard him say that quite a bit, actually. And he should have it tattooed on him. Yeah. And I wonder if he's read The Master Switch. Have you ever read that book? No. I think it's back here, actually. Should be. Yes. Yeah, I'll give it to you before you leave. You can read it, bring it back. It's uh, going to blackpill me? <clears throat> uh, man, it's going to go a long way. It'll help. Um, <laughs> it kind of uh, illustrates how governments throughout history anytime there's emerging technology they seize control of it and weaponize it either against other countries or against the population Mm. right so like the telecommunications industry the internet uh the printing press like all sorts of stuff very interesting well malice has been going through all of this research right about the way that the new york times has been complicit in all sorts of cover-ups and terrible things and journalists Mm. and blah blah and yet he has managed to come out the other side of it with a message of hope. Mm. So I'm hoping that I, I want to see uh, black versus white pill. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful as well. I'm hopeful insofar as I think uh, Texas 
uh, should secede from the rest of the United States. Who else should secede from the rest of the United States? Whomever wants to, right? I mean, I, like we, we created a government that was completely voluntary, but only up to a point. You know what I mean? Like what kind of organization can you join and never get out of? I could think of gangs and the mafia. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Right? I mean, if there's cults, if we really cults, yeah, if we believe in, in capitalism the way we say we do, then choice is the ultimate determining factor, right? The, the freedom, the, the game theory that's out there is just, that's all a very complicated explanation to how most people come to fucking a decision about how they're going to spend their time and money. That's really what it is. And the idea that somebody, and I know that this is a fucking, this may be like a unique American uh, 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 trait or characteristic, but the idea that somebody might tell me what to do, not with that at all. Like, I will accept some of your rules because they're convenient and they make things safer, but once you encroach into my life, now it's time to fight. So when the uh, White House press secretary says that the Department of Justice is going to start going after governments, state governments and legislatures that are banning genital mutilation in children, for example, now it's time to fight, in my opinion. Like, if you're coming after kids and doing irreparable damage to them, then that, to me, is enough to fucking... And when I say fight, I mean literally fight. Like, something's got to be done about that. And it can't be... It can't be taken lightly. Like, a lot of people get emotionally involved and rah-rah, fuck them, you're not going to... And that's where the, that's the basis. It's like a fuck you attitude. But that's not where I'm coming from. I think it is very clearly and demonstrably true that individual liberty, is, as I said before, is the inoculation to tyranny. And we are not seeing that. And we're, now it's, it's almost like a toddler who's trying to see how much more they can get away with. They keep piling on. Like it wasn't enough <clears throat> that a fucking nominee to the Supreme Court couldn't define what a fucking woman is. Now they want to indoctrinate your kids, and when you call them out for it, they say you're, like, homophobic or some phobia of some sort you have. No, I care about kids being able to develop naturally, and if they decide to do some shit later, that's their decision. I don't co-parent with the fucking state. You know what I mean? That seems pretty pretty clear and obvious to me. It does feel like overreach, right? That you've gone from... um the rules around education, education of what? Yeah. Education about how fucking plants work, right? Mm. And about how two plus two equals five. Mm. Not about sex for children that are too young to spell the word, right? Like, if you can't spell it, don't talk about it. And I, I, so a bunch of my friends are in teaching. Mm. And a ton of children, because of the pandemic... And uh, this is, you know, forget about masking policies and homeschooling and stuff mm. like that. Just the inevitable side effect, a nonpartisan inevitable side effect of having a pandemic was that children were going to be underschooled, right? And you have six and seven-year-old children who can't spell their own name, mm. who can't count. <clears throat> you think there's also a lot of like uh, delays in, in verbal development as well, which is a big fucking problem. Due right? to masking, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that was an inevitable... Verbal and communication in general. Like, 80-some percent of communication is nonverbal. 
right? So now we're crippling them in every possible way that they can communicate with another kid, and then we're shutting off their ability to have any kind of low-level conflict interaction. Well, the way that they're taught to speak is through phonics. So yep. cat, k, at, at t, yeah. right? Look at the – you need to see <clears throat> the mouth. You need to look at the facial expression, right? Forget, forget the emotional development, which is just a, a bomb waiting to go mm. off later down the line. You need to be able to see people's faces to be able mm. to do that. So, yeah, I, um, I understand, man. I mean, th- you are right about the encroaching, but roll the clock back to kind of, I guess, the genesis of this, or at least when, when I first started to learn about it or think about it, the example that's first used is uh, the NSA after 9-11. Mm. You go, okay, here is the... You know how a ratchet works, right? So you, it you mean the and, Patriot Act and shit like that? Yeah. Correct, yeah. So you click and click and yeah, click yeah. and then pressure, but it doesn't go back. It's still only able to go one way. Right. And this was a very obvious example of when we saw state power being given and then never given back. Right, which it happened under, <clears throat> again, a Republican. Like that's not how that's supposed to work. That being said, it should, I, I don't think that, many people in the period after 9-11 wouldn't have said, throw the kitchen sink at it. Mm. You know, we, we cannot have this happen again. We don't want this to happen again. We kind of don't know how it happened. Is it an intelligence failure? Mm. Do we do whatever? We have this technology. Can we make it work? Is it going to make us safer? Like that stuff. But here's the, again, remember what we said earlier on about the kernel of truth. Kernel of truth is in there. Terrible tragedy needs to not happen again. We have a technology <laughs> that may be able to help us from stopping it happening again. Mm-hmm. So we let it happen. But power coalesces, power laws, dominance hierarchies, all of that stuff. When people have got it, they're not going to let it go, go away anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Russ Feingold was the only person to vote against it. He was a senator from Wisconsin, and he got uh, defeated in the next election. It's wildly popular senator. One of the most popular senators in the entire country. And he was defeated because of his... I, I don't know why. Right. But... Correlation. <clears throat> I mean... The vote was 98 to 1, and he was the only guy that got voted out next time. So, um, But, yeah, it's, I, I agree with that to some degree. You, you would be, after some kind of attack, like my, I have a security background, after an attack or an intrusion, that's the best time to plan your new strategy because now the enemies kind of tip their hand a little bit. So we know kind of how they, <clears throat> kind of how they react. And then this is the same debate that we should always have in good faith about any kind of issue that leads back to a constitutional right. That is to say, is there some amount of that that I'm willing to concede that makes sense to make things safer for myself, my family, the future of this country, everybody, so on and so forth, right? (sighs) Don't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. That's a crime. It's incitement of violence. Uh, don't tell somebody to go hurt somebody else. Those are pretty obvious ones. <clears throat> but when the interchange removes the agency from the individual and puts it in the hands of the state, that's where I have the problem because the state can't be trusted, and they've shown that over and over and over again. And state, statehood in general, globally, throughout all of human history, has shown that. The most obvious example to me is... Uh, gun rights. So there's no question, and, I, and I, I get tired of conservatives refusing to have this conversation. There's no question that adding a gun to a situation makes it intrinsically more dangerous. The end 
of that conversation. Yeah, we have very few mass shootings in the UK. Quite a few stabbings, but not so much anymore. It's it's toned down quite a bit. A little bit, but it's yeah. just it's generally harder to kill someone with a knife than with a gun. Right. <clears throat> but what is the purpose of the Second Amendment? It's not to fight off an invading army, in my opinion. It is we were coming off of a time when weapons were used to force us to do things we didn't want to do by the state. So our framers said, we're not doing that again. So you guys can all have guns just like we can. And they wrote it down on paper and they all signed it. And there are certain situations where we need to have a fucking conversation. For example, the terror watch list doesn't talk to the handgun registry list. So you can be on the terror watch list and, and legally buy a handgun in the United States. Those, that is a true statement. Probably shouldn't be the case, right? But do I want the government having a document that shows where, like, all the guns are and who has them? Fuck no, because they can't be trusted. They just can't. So I err on the side of liberty every single time, even if there's some intrinsic danger attached to it. Because that's our job to police that. It's not the state's job. The state's job is to keep people from outside from hurting us. Our job is to keep ourselves safe here. And that's why we develop professional policing and shit. And none of the professional police I know are arguing in favor of confiscating guns or banning guns. Because they all own guns. You know what I mean? Uh, (sighs) I was driving through uh, Lockhart near here. And I think it's the Lone Star shooting range Mm -hmm. out there. And uh, what's the word? It's not constable. It's a particular type, a particular grade of uh, police officer. Not. I mean, a constable is one of them. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was constables then. I thought that was they're, only they're, a constable works for the county and they do certain things. So mm-hmm. they, they're not like a patrol officer. Like a sheriff, a sheriff and, their, and their deputies are the enforcement wing, I guess, from, for the most part, for a county. Uh, they, they run the jails typically and the county police and shit like that, unincorporated areas inside of a county. Um, <clears throat> constables serve, like, subpoenas or do... They do a lot of civic shit, I think, here in Texas. Okay. But they, they like... Um, they would go inspect a gun range and make sure everything's legit there, for example. There was... I shit you not. 15 constable cars mm-hmm. lined up before it opened. This is mm-hmm. 9 in the morning, going out to <laughs> see Kyle Kingsbury. And... uh <laughs> They're all lining up to go, and obviously they've all got their, gu- their uh, gun bags out back. They're mm. all loading up ammo, and they're all going to go and do that. Yep. And you think the, the line between law enforcement and firearms, you know, access to guns, gun control, gun rights, right. these are the people that are dealing with the problems, and yet they're the ones that are closest to using them as well. A lot of right. the guys are passionate about not only the law, but about the use and about the art form. Well, a lot of these guys, Tim Kennedy runs a training for them, Right, uh, sheepdog response. Sheepdog, but that, sheepdog is also for civilians and stuff. But he runs like police officer specific training at least once a month, I think, which entails there's a day of combatives, there's a day of handgun, shotgun, and then carbine. Right, so like all the all the weapons, including your own body that you might use. Um, Mike Glover does the same thing all over the country. And that guy from Detroit as well that's big on <laughs> no, TikTok. Yes. Not that Have guy. you not seen him? He, the guy is retarded. No, he's a lethal weapon. <laughs> him, Steven Seagal. If I could get you, have you seen that new uh, Nick Cage movie where he kind of plays a parody of himself? No. So You were talking about it last yeah, time. I, it's, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm told it's really funny. 
So it's like Nick Cage is Nick Cage, and he's a washed-up actor as Nick Cage, is. I guess, kind of is. I don't yeah. know. I still watch his movies. I think they're good. Yeah. But they come to him like, hey, we're going to make a movie about you making a movie about you. Yep. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And then finally convince him. I If we could get that Detroit whatever-the-fuck dude to make a movie about himself, that'd be the best. I think the internet would melt. Tim Kennedy and him need to do – you remember how before MMA – Fake martial arts like chi push and one touch oh, yeah. knockouts and all that yeah. stuff. That was a thing. Joe Rogan used to post that shit. It was like f- uh, stupid martial arts or something. There was an account on Facebook mm-hmm. that Joe Rogan used to post all the time. Yeah, and was, you would have some kickboxer go in the ring with some chi and just beat the dude. Christ yeah, out of him. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, beat the chi out of him. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you need to see. I want to see Tim Kennedy. He's the savior that we need for you, Detroit man. You know, he might. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe we do it six miles off the coast in international waters, so Tim doesn't go to prison forever. Tim for literally him. just rips him in half. Yeah, like, like mean, pulls limbs from body. Yeah. <laughs> don't they do a sheepdog response? Don't they do live taser stuff as well? Like they mm-hmm. have an actual functioning taser. Yep. So that you see just how how difficult it is to not get tased. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's also difficult to tase someone properly, right? What do so, you mean by properly? So uh, the two prongs that come out yep. of the end of the taser, they need to land in two separate muscle groups, so your pec and your abdomen. That's interesting. If it lands in both in your abdomen, yeah, it's going to crunch a little bit, but you can keep walking forward. So you need to be <clears throat> far enough away? The ideal range, I think, is three to nine feet. You've been tased? Yes. You've been tased with a hand taser? Both, yeah. Yeah, I've only been tased with a hand taser. It wasn't fun. I didn't get shot with the, with the uh, projectile. They... They'll deploy it and then clip one to your collar and one to your belt. It is not fun. I mean, some people will, will let you sh- will let them shoot you in the back. Like I think police officers have to do that. You're kidding. But I didn't want to because it's basically a straight fish hook, right? There's yeah. a barb on the end, and a fucking medic has to come pull that shit out. I don't want to do that. That's stupid. Yeah. Like just shock me, dude. I don't need to feel more pain. <laughs> it's, uh, but it is the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Really? But it was immediately over afterwards. I mean, you've been tased. Yeah, I only tased in the with the the handheld and in uh, the, with like a stun gun. No, it's well, whatever it is. I don't know. It it was a big one. It was a big boy. Mm, so they just did a contact shot on yes. it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but you hit the sucks. deck immediately. Right? Yeah, it's not fun. Fuck, it's not fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you hear those stories about people that are on high on whatever the fuck, yeah. and people are tasing them, and it just <clears throat> walking straight through it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want some of whatever that is. Yeah, precisely. You know I mean? um, That's what that Detroit, Detroit guy plus that drug versus Tim Kennedy. <laughs> that, International see, Waters celebrity now, death match. Now, now that might be a fucking Fair contest. Fight. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that guy's a fucking goober. Um, <laughs> some, some TikToker not too long, or YouTuber not too long ago fucking embarrassed him again. He gets embarrassed on a pretty regular basis. But now he's doing like cameos and stuff. It's, I, I, don't, I think he's a troll. I don't think any of it's real. But I am told that some people go there looking for training. Like, oh, man. He's like the, uh, the liver king of self-defense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Viking walk or the farmer's walk or whatever he calls it. Yeah. He was doing it in a – liver king was in New York on the subway uh, doing lunges and burpees with his top off, wearing uh, like a bergen on his back, just eating raw meat out of a bag or yeah. some shit. Dude, I'm, you know, if if people click on stuff like that and you're playing the game that well, like who's the fool? Who's the fool here? Is it the person that's watching and commenting and sharing your shit, or is it you for whatever gaining a few million followers? Yeah, it's immoral to let a sucker keep his money, right? Uh. <laughs> 
what is it that they say about investing? The investing, the investment market is a, a, a tool for moving money from people with patience to people without patience. Uh, it's like yeah. the liver king <laughs> is a tool for moving money from people that are smart to people that yeah. aren't smart. I'm also told that uh, the lottery is a tool to tax for stupid people. Yeah, get welfare checks back from poor people. Um, or maybe that's scratcher tickets. I don't know. I guess it's same thing. the same. Yeah. Uh, but back to what we were talking about with the <clears throat> with the gun rights stuff. Like I <clears throat> I think we have options to deal with something like that, right? One option is to realize that there are some bad if if you know half of 1% of people are bad actors. We still got a fuckload of bad actors. We got a million and a half assholes out there. That's a lot. That's bigger than our army, than, than the active part of our army. <clears throat> um, not to say that they would, you know, do shit like that. But I, there's somebody that everybody knows. Like, no matter how staunch of a gun supporter you are, or a gun rights supporter you are, everybody that can hear the sound of my voice knows one person that should not have a fucking gun. But is the solution to give the state power to decide who has guns? The answer to that is fucking no. Because we know what they're going to do with that. Anytime we give them power, as you said earlier, you don't get it back. And I think we're on... The picture has been taken at the top of the roller coaster... And we're on our way down. What do you mean? Uh, society in general. I think, I think it's... Uh, we've seen these... Uh, and it almost happened in the middle of the 20th century as well. But we see this a lot. We have solutions to problems for so long that we forget what the problem was that that solution solved. Yeah. And we have to relearn that a lot. The issue is now... <clears throat> I mean, back in the day, in the, in the 19th century... If you just ran out of luck on the East Coast, you go get on the Oregon Trail and try to fucking get to Oregon. You know what I mean? Let's get out of there and do something else. You can't do that shit anymore. And when I say that, I mean <clears throat> problems aren't isolated. They are uh, pretty diffused amongst the population. We, we have gotten so large as an institution that something like a housing crisis doesn't just affect the fucking East Coast or West Coast. It affects the entire goddamn globe now. So you can't run from these problems anymore. And people don't have any tolerance for discomfort. So if people don't have any tolerance for discomfort, the people that we elect are going to have even less because discomfort now pulls poorly. So we have to get away from that entirely. And now there are no more solutions to be had, right? There's only better and better Fucking cognitive dissonance, I guess. Better and better lies. Better and better identification of problems. And that's Mm. what you're seeing, what I brought up earlier on, that you have mostly something crazy happens on the left. Mm. The right reacts to it, calls it a problem. The left was uh, creating a problem or identifying a problem in the first place, and then the right plays defense. There is no solution, forward-focused, pioneer-spirit-oriented direction to this. Right. And the solution to some of this stuff is, uh, you know, austerity sometimes. And people don't want to do that. People don't want to give up what they have. They, they don't want to give up. And I'm not talking about paying higher gas prices so we can send $1.5 billion to fucking Ukraine. Not into that. Um, what I'm talking about is 
you know what? Hey, we're going to fucking not have X, Y, and Z for a little while so we can save some money and better our situation. That is not what happens here anymore. People want to, they want the government to forgive their student loans or they want to get a bailout of some sort. I heard this recently. One of the problems or one of the reasons that millennials are so dissatisfied is that they're the first generation that's never done better than their parents. Mm. <clears throat> but is that true? I'm not sure. Like there's more, there have to be more sub 40 millionaires than there have ever been, ever, right? Through sometimes through no fault of their own. But remember that, that you're talking about outliers there, right? You're sure, talking about yeah. a very, very small number of people, whereas access to be able to buy a house on average right, yeah. is more difficult. Access to be able to blah, 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 blah. Yeah, a lot of those things. I mean, uh, rentership has gone up exponentially over the last 25 years. Uh, over the last 25 years, we've also seen a 40% decrease in testosterone in men. Mm-hmm. in the West. That seems like a problem. 1% a year. 1% Just goes at 1% a year, yeah. A year. yeah. Since uh, we were born, actually. Since, since, the, uh, yeah. since 1980, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's bad. That's, that's really bad. I mean, you, your body compensates for shit like that. So is it a surprise that more people are identifying as confused about their fucking gender when the gamete and uh, hormone that controls that are now no longer present in the same way they were before? Of course not. I mean, it's obvious. But again, we've identified a problem with a very easily, easy and practical solution, which is to say, maybe get rid of single-use plastics and maybe start supplementing with things, foods and drugs that help you maintain the appropriate amount of fucking stop testosterone. Putting, stop putting estrogen in everything, yeah, in from everything, yeah. scented candles to soaps. <clears throat> to- I mean, that, that part is another reason why I'm, I'm black-pilled. I, I love Hanlon's razor because I think conspiracy theories are pretty wild sometimes. But the fact that estrogen is in literally everything is what the fuck, man. That that is that is the real version of the concerns people had with fluoride back in the 1990s, and we just keep doing it. So, man, I don't I don't see. <clears throat> the The larger the organization gets, the more perilous disruption becomes, right? Like the more people that are affected by the disruption. Because there's more externalities and yeah. it's scaled up. Yeah. And also they, they're, they, that institution has more responsibility that's diffused over a larger part of the population. And if something happens with them, then now people are doing without. And I think that the next recession or depression or whatever it is that's coming is going to be crippling for America. I have a friend who is... Uh, very high up in finance mm. in uh, New York. And uh, we were having this discussion about the boom and bust cycle and blah, blah. Uh, and he said, dude, we are way, way, way overdue on mm. a huge pullback for everything. And I was like, no, 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 man. Like, look at, I showed him the S&P. And I was like, look, look at this in uh, 2020. And he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about a small pullback before the Fed injects a ton of cash and then brings right. everything back up. He's like, I'm talking about a sort of generation changing problem with the financial market. Mm. And this is a very, very rational person that I trust. And I thought, uh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I saw an article the other day that there's like 150,000 new people in the stock market over the last six months. Interesting, right? Like there's going to be, there's going to be some market fluctuation from that. And as I said, the institution of the stock market, like it's been used for a very long time to a, a, as a gauge for how well the economy is doing, and that's not real. 
right? I mean, the, the misery index is a lot better. Misery index is the uh, unemployment rate plus inflation. Uh, that's a more accurate depiction of what, how the economy is doing. Even though now we've changed the way we define inflation and changed the way we've defined unemployment. Changed the basket of goods <laughs> yeah, yeah. that inflation like the, was the built C, around. The CPI, right? yeah. What's yeah. that? What's that sample? Uh, chain, chain uh, our consumer price index. Right. So like the basket of goods that you might be able to buy for this now costs X percent more. Yep. We've changed the basket, right? You can make a poll saying anything you want. And as far as uh, unemployment goes, people that haven't looked for work actively over six weeks who aren't currently drawing unemployment, they don't count as unemployed anymore. They're out of the workforce. So when they say, oh, we've got three and a half percent unemployment. Well, no, it's actually 11 percent. Very, so, very massaged figures. Yeah. yeah. So again, we're operating with, with bad data. And <clears throat> there's a solution. People start believing what's true and not believing what's not true. But is that going to happen in, in time? Will it happen in time? I don't think so. And it's going to be interesting to see how it all develops too because there's a, there's a huge contingent of people who are already on that. Like, <sighs> I, like, I, I, I like Jordan Peterson. He's very frank about what he believes and it's good for people that he's like that <clears throat> and there are people like i mean rogan has a huge audience he's he's i i, I can't tell if he's black pilled or not to be honest he seems hopeful yeah uh, i would say so but there's uh you know you're out there there are a lot of people who are critical of institutions michael malice is one of them tim pools one of them just in general they, they're probably more on the anarchist side than than even i am um <clears throat> but how many people does it take you know like what percentage of the population 81 million people voted for biden when he was in clear cognitive decline because they believed what they saw on the internet now that's fine that's your uh, that's that's your judgment to make but they chose they chose marketing and propaganda over reality in my opinion. Well, the, the line's been blurred between the two. You know, for, to speak for the 81 million, mm. it's not like they were in full presence of all of the facts. That's the entire job of the corporate press. That's why Malice mm. says corporate press are the enemy of the people. Yeah. And the other thing, he said this on my show, which really, really was a great way to remember it. He said the corporate press don't have a bias. They have an agenda. Correct, yeah. And that's different. It is very different. Yeah, bias is a lens. An agenda is like, I'm going to make this happen. Outright policy. Yeah, Yeah, precisely. And when you realize that, you go, well, that's why accusing any side, all Trump voters are racist or all Biden voters are idiots. Monoliths never work. Like a monolith doesn't, it never works. Not, no group of people is one thing ever. No. It just doesn't happen. That's not how. It's way too simplistic. And what you're accusing, for the most part, when, you, when people say that, that mm. it's these 81 million idiots or this like, <clears throat> 75 million racists or whatever, what people are criticizing the other side of is not seeing the nuance of the detail mm. whilst using a rubric, which is not seeing the nuance of the detail. Right. I mean, a lot of people voted <clears throat> because they didn't like Trump's attitude and no amount of propagandizing was going to change that. A lot of people voted because they vote for Democrats and that a lot, there's not going to be any change in that either, right? Like, I think of, I, I, I wonder, if I had to guess, I would say probably about 75, 80% of the population votes for one party or the other, regardless of what else is going on, unless something egregious happens. Mm. <clears throat> and that's what we see. I mean, it's like, 
40% registered Republicans, 43% registered Democrats in a typical year. This doesn't make sense to me. Um, it doesn't... I, 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 re, I think we should... Uh, it, it, not sure, but I think it would be interesting if we voted for resumes instead of personalities. You know what I mean? Like well, that, that, cult, that, could be... that cult of personality <clears throat> is largely what politics has turned into now. Yeah. That it, it very much is a likability mm. contest. Uh, I mean, what was it that, that one of the reasons that Clinton was so successful, right? Mm. That he was just this unbelievable communicator. <clears throat> yeah. What was that? The first, I want to say it was JFK or one of the first presidential debates where one person had makeup on. Nixon. Was the, he was sweating his ass off. Yes. Yeah. 1959 or 1960. Election, right. Yeah. And you've got this, you know, you can't deny the rules of the game. And the rules of the game are that you need to play to human nature. Yeah. And, and Kennedy, by the way, was uh, up until that point not exactly popular because he was a Catholic. And Americans weren't, they, there had never been a Catholic president before that, despite Catholicism being one of the oldest religions on earth. There hadn't been up until that point a Catholic president. It's like um, back in Ireland. Well, yeah, I mean, they have a problems. Yeah, they got a problem with that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly turned into that cult of personality shit. And that's why I don't see the solution. Like you have to, you have to red pill people. And I don't mean red as in red state conservative. Uh, red pill as in the fucking matrix. You have, to, you have to unplug people from this bullshit. And you can't, like any other addict, you cannot help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Right. I think Peterson actually put out a clip about it the other day. Don't stop trying to save people that don't want to be saved. And I'm kind of there. I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where, I mean, we do this stuff to try to be educational and at least challenge what people think. And it's, it's not about being a contrarian. It's about showing people how to challenge the narrative, right, and find answers without jettisoning the entire thing but i feel like jettisoning the entire thing i can tell i can that's come through a little bit um (laughs) the one of the things that i would i would probably caution people to be wary of is something called uh reflexive heterodoxy or reflexive contrarianism Mm. which we've seen a lot of over the especially since covid right that yeah i mean fucking uh 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 what's his name shit keep going (laughs) If the uh, true narrative is wrong, or if we are not to trust what we are being told by the powers that be, mm. therefore the opposite must be true, yep. is just as low resolution and yeah. <clears throat> simplistic of a viewpoint as believing everything that you hear from mainstream yeah. media and the government. Christopher Hitchens, that's what I was thinking of. Correct. He that wrote, which can be... Yeah, the Hitchens razor, yeah. Yes. Uh, but he, he also wrote this book, Letters from a Young Contrarian, and it was about how he, in university, was a total socialist, right? And how it, it, it's, if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a good, it's like, it's, he, it's his own essays kind of delivered in a like, I can't believe I fucking did this situation, mm. which is a very so self aware Commenting on himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very self aware thing to do. Ask Douglas, if you get time, ask Douglas <clears throat> about Hitch. He mm. has the best Hitch story. I'm sure. It's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, it's too, yeah, that was a big loss for, I, I wonder where he would be right now. Cause it was uh, interesting to see how he, uh, how he kind of uh, navigated the global war on terror. Did you ever see Sam Harris's first speech after Hitch passed? No, I don't think. Well, maybe I did, yeah. He, he just does this really sort of beautiful, heartfelt introduction about how Hitch had more 
charisma and mm. creativity in his little finger than most of the people that were up on stage, including Sam Harris himself. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's so, you do think that there are people like that and, you know, they become vectors, right? Or, or um, like epicenters or tips of spear. Peterson's become one of those. Mm. I think Douglas probably will, if he's not already, will be with his new book. And, and Hitch was. and you, it, His new book, the, the Death of Europe? or the, the War on the West. Oh, The War on the West, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, that... People become, they, they coalesce ideas around them, right? And they become more than just being a person. They mm. actually represent an entire mode of thinking. And I think that, you know, you're talking about someone like Christopher Hitchens. And herein sort of lies the problem that we had about the cult of personality because people follow people that they like. Mm. And far more people would identify with. Uh, liking Jordan Peterson than liking existentialism, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with liking Douglas Murray than liking the the school of conservative thought, right? And <clears throat> with liking Christopher Hitchens than liking the ideas behind atheism. People follow people; they don't follow things. Mm-hmm. And ideas get represented by people. But the problem is, how do you then detract away from that when you want to have a an election come along? You can't just switch that off. You can't switch mm-hmm. off the proclivity that people have. And when you've got a politician that's got a Twitter and an Instagram and you know the name of their wife and you know the name of their dog and you know the route that they do the whatever, like, right. and they're trying to create this vision that they're a normal human with a family life and all this stuff behind the scenes, you go, well, everything becomes performance art. Everything does. And then people do that to themselves. Mm. You know, we all prostitute ourselves on the internet for varying amounts of, like, money or attention. Social currency, too. Correct. Right. Yes. I mean, it's, that's... that's the money part, I, under, I, I, I can understand that. The social currency part, I don't get it. I mean, I just, I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't it, it wouldn't occur to me to say something that isn't true because of how someone else may feel about me. It's going to make you more popular. Yeah. Like that doesn't, I mean, I, I, there's a, there's a, I'm sure a nuance to that. Like I'm not going to be intentionally hurtful most of the time. Unless it's funny or something, unless I know the person can handle that type of that type of shit. But <clears throat> like I don't, I don't think I don't. Uh, Sam Harris in in uh, the moral landscape, I believe, says that the the goal should be to minimize conscious suffering and manima, uh, maximize uh, conscious joy. Right? Like those are the two. Those are the two axes of human the human experience, at least. <clears throat> But he makes a lot of really interesting points about if you follow that natural thought process. I mean, technic- so let, let's say you reduce that to let's maximize the totality of human joy or conscious joy and minimize <clears throat> the totality of conscious suffering. The easiest way to do that would be to kill everybody that's suffering. Then there is no more suffering, right? Technically. But obviously that's not the answer. We know that. Why we know that? I don't know. But intrinsically, human beings know that that's not the answer unless there's something fucking wrong with you. And, but there's still quite a few questions to be answered there. Well, this is the problem with the alignment problem that you have in AI, if you're mm. familiar with that. So mm-hmm. you have a function that you want to get, an objective that you want a, a, an AI system to achieve. And if you don't get it 
absolutely perfectly correct with every single potential misinterpretation of it hold up yeah it goes you end up with crazy externality so for instance you tell a uh, an ai that you want to make all humans on earth happy right so it sticks electrodes into our face to force our muscles to retract so that we're constantly smiling or it kills every person that's miserable or it decides to put us into vats like the matrix and just put us on intravenous mdma for the rest of our lives you go okay look it might be fun Um, But that's not what we meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what we meant. And this sort of more autistic view of the world, Mm -hmm. which doesn't take into account the nuance. But again, like this, all of these things have kernels of truth in them. Mm. And the fact that you can't have a very rough hewn answer is exactly why it's difficult. Because attention spans are are decreasing. Right. People's um, preparedness to put themselves, we talked about discomfort a lot today the discomfort of sitting with uncertainty, mm. <clears throat> the discomfort of not knowing the answer and knowing that you don't know and, and not wanting to just fill that gap of uncertainty with certainty that might not be accurate. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, uh, the God hole, I think. God-shaped what, hole. God-shaped hole, or what does Michael Shermer call it? Fuck, I can't remember. I just had him on two weeks ago. Uh, it's, it's like any gap, the God gap. Yeah, like any gap, we just say, oh, that's God. Or whatever, right? Whatever God is to you, it's not always some deity or anything like that. But yeah, it's, it's a problem, and I wonder about that. I wonder, um, <clears throat> it seems to me, just based on my experience, that modularity is probably the solution there. That's why I tend to lean so much towards liberty, because it gives, like, you build an infrastructure where people can fucking thrive, and then you give them modularity. Like, I'm able to take these parts of what you're trying to do and use them for myself and forget about those parts and blah, 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 right? So I can make it very customized to myself. This is um, my most useful insight for anybody that deals with jealousy or envy Mm. around that, that we look at people who are successful and we treat them as one whole being, right? right? But they're not. They're not. You look at someone and you say, Tiger Woods, right? one of the best golfers of all time, and he's come back recently, and he might be on screen right now. Uh, Actually, I think I remember a quote from you about this. Uh, you can't take... Part of someone's life. Of, you you have, have to take, take the whole. whole. Yeah. yeah, precisely. Yeah. That's exactly the same thing that we're talking about here. You want to look at society as a design that needs to be pieced together in mm. that sort of modular fashion. <clears throat> we need to do it for people. Why wouldn't we do it for society as well? Right. I mean, if you want it for people, then it has to be society. But we've not created society like that. And that's why, again... I hate to keep harping on it, but that's why I feel very black-pilled because I don't think... I, I think our system of government is fucking really good. The combination of co- like common law, English common law, and then our case law and our constitution law elucidating the rights of man in a way that was attempted with the Magna Carta, but now it's come to full fruition, and we've also added some amendments to clarify that shit, I think is the best attempt at government in history, and still it doesn't scale, right? Like, it still does not scale. So, maybe it's cynical of me. I don't know. But I'm seeing a a bunch of friends in Austin increasingly Mm. talk about group housing now. Mm. Or, I I don't know whether it's not quite a commune, but, you know, like, Mm. extracting themselves and nine other families and basically creating their own little walled-off community somewhere. Got a bunch of friends that are talking very, very seriously. I have have one buddy who is running a festival on his ranch as a trial to see how him and the other families in this potential group housing project get on with doing a, a big operation. Right. I'm thinking that is a very sophisticated 
Like that, you don't put a festival on with a group of other people for no reason at all. Like you're doing this because you're very, very serious about yeah, yeah. moving yourself out. Well, unless Especially they've never well, done that before. Unless, unless you're Ja Rule, right? In which case you just buy up <laughs> Pablo Escobar's island and go yeah. to town. <laughs> Leave people in Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, he, they, he's definitely putting his money where his mouth is, for lack of a better phrase, yeah. in doing that. And um, then you go, and I was talking to him about it, and he's like, look, man, I, I, I really, really want, I, I spiritually feel drawn toward it, mm. and I'm also very concerned about what's happening outside of it. Right. Grow my own food. Have my own liberty. Have people on site that can do everything that we need. There's someone on site that can do electric stuff. There's someone mm. on site that can do doctoring stuff. There's someone on site that knows about education. You know? Yeah. People are recreating a society now that they feel like the modern world hasn't given to them. Well, they've modern society has tried to monetize all those things, which is, it. yeah, which is, you know, to some degree, that's fine. We, we, human history is the result of trying to <clears throat> monetize is the right word, but trying to valueize what you contribute, right? Because commoditize it, yeah, yeah, yeah commoditize yeah. it might be the right word. Because uh, it's like every major religious text says the same thing: you don't work, you don't eat, right? And that's how it used to be. Uh, you contribute something to our little fucking group, or get the fuck out. Uh, and <clears throat> with that comes quite a bit of nuance, right? Younger people, babies can't fucking farm, and uh, elderly people can't farm either, right? So what are we doing here? And it yeah. and it took on. <sighs> like a lot of different <clears throat> a lot of different forms over the years but the most valuable ones tended to value and respect the very young and the very old for what they could provide us like hope in the future and wisdom and uh, uh like in native cultures every every <clears throat> uh older woman was called grandmother and every older man was called grandfather right Everybody in the village, like every child, respect to the elders, yeah. yeah. Um, but man, we're we we've taken the worst parts of that and made it intrinsic to our culture. We have septuagenarians and octogenarians running our government, people that would be unemployable otherwise. Like at no point would you put out a fucking job posting and be like, "I only want people who are sixty-five to eighty-five years old." Can we make that happen? Of course not, right? But they they do have value, but. That is the story of the West. It's the commercialization. We take the idea that's worked for so long or that's worked in certain instances, <clears throat> and we strip away all the things that make it work and hold on to the things that make the people that hold it powerful. Right? It's a big problem. And I don't know how you reverse it unless people understand that that's what's happening. Now, we can tell them. James Lindsay tries to tell people all the time, like, dude, stop fucking believing this shit. It's not about Republicans and Democrats. People are like, oh, you're a far-right activist. He's like, no, no, don't. Don't vote Republican. I learned the other day about the ancient Greek word for work. So the ancient Greek word for work meant not at leisure. Mm. What does that tell us? So leisure is the baseline. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. You're not living to work. Work is the abhorrent mm. uh, outlier in your life. And whereas mm. now, whether by necessity, uh, economic, financial necessity to provide for yourself and your family, or existential necessity to feel validated mm. by the world, 
most people live to work. Right. Yeah, I mean, the <clears throat> organized labor used to say eight hours for work, eight hours for sleep, and eight hours for what you will, I believe was their quote. Um, that still seems like a lot of work. Eight hours. A third of your life you're supposed to work. I mean, we've, we, but we moralize things like that, right? So all of, we talked about this the other day too. All of public education is designed to create obedient workers. And we also moralize work. You know what I mean? It's noble. It's yeah, noble. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, what, what's noble is to provide for your family. What's not noble is to be a cog in a machine that is grinding you into fucking paste. Well, also, you, you, you very quickly get distracted. People forget, and deliberateness and intentionality are two of the words that have come up in a lot of conversations I have. I have a lot of discussions around um, sort of goal setting and productivity on my show. Mm. Deliberateness and intentionality. Why are you doing the things that you're mm. doing? Like, what's the purpose? Genuinely, what is the purpose? Gary Vee got brought up as this example, and uh, I hadn't seen the interview, but someone was telling me that he'd been in this interview and was saying what he's working so hard for is to leave a legacy for his children, you know, so that his children have got a billion dollars to play with. Now, one of the prices that he needed to pay for that was that daddy wasn't going to be home for most weekends throughout all of their childhood. Right. I'm like, bro, if you give two-year-old Chris Williamson mm. the choice between daddy being home for every weekend or a billion dollars when he's 18 years old, but the billion dollars comes with all of the developmental problems that yeah. he's accumulated from yeah. daddy never being home. Like, dude, I want my dad home. Yeah. It's almost like that trope. We, uh, we spend our youth uh, creating wealth and then we spend our wealth trying to buy back our youth, right? It's, that's, that's the hallmark of Western society now. Peterson nailed this on my show. He said, the single biggest predictor of wealth is age. Mm. Do you want to be young and poor or old and rich? Right. Because you can't buy youth. Right, yeah. You can, I mean, the only, um, <clears throat> I guess the only commodity we have that's irreplaceable is time, right? Unless somebody fucking creates an Einstein-Rosen bridge. But even then, you're not, like, making yourself younger. You're just traveling backwards in time. You're still the same age. Uh, maybe NAD. That seems like it's got some promise. Fuck about what you're telling me is a little bit, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. But it's yeah, I mean, rapamycin in you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but even, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand that. Like, I understand sacrificing to create a better life, right? Pain, time, sometimes money, whatever, comfort. But all the, especially if you have kids, that doesn't make sense. Well, young guys, so I, I had this throughout my 20s that I attached my sense of self-worth to my success in my business, mm. right? I'm running these club nights. I'm on the front door. It's very personal to me. And a lot of young guys and girls probably who start their own businesses or just find a, a, a degree of success in something when they're young. Mm. They started, <clears throat> the difference between them and what they do kind of starts to dissolve a little bit and yeah. they are their work. They <laughs> are their success. And then what you can do, that Puritan work ethic, right? The priests mm. hoeing the garden. You can take pleasure in the work itself even though you hate it or even mm. though it's hard or even though it doesn't contribute to your broader long-term goals because you have been told, you've been given this narrative that you're supposed to work hard and that right. there's something noble inside of it. And you go, yeah, but in service of what? Yeah, yeah. What's this in service of? What's the point? Of, and, and this is something else I'm really, really big on. There is no narrative for people who have got enough now, right? Let's say that a hundred grand a year is absolutely everything financially that you need to live. Right. If you earn a hundred grand a year, there is not a single person that is pushing a narrative of not saying turn that into two hundred or yeah, turn that yeah. into five hundred. Right, yeah. All that money is is leverage to be able to create more money. 
now. Right, yeah. <clears throat> and for me, I think if you're able to be happy at that and the guy that's next to you can't be happy until he's at a million, mm. you've got a 10x <clears throat> competitive advantage. Yeah. You should see your low materialism set point mm. as an outright advantage to you. Certainly, yeah. And lean into it and go, look, dude, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I've got myself to the stage well, where this is easy or passive or I'm scaled it, up it, or whatever. It, it doesn't just go back to the Greek view of, of work uh, with leisure as the baseline. Because uh, it is true that money, more than anything else, can buy you time. Yep. Like, that's, that's absolutely true. Like, the more money I have, the less... I have to do shit to make more money, right? I mean, that's just how it is. But it also buys you the freedom to tell people to go fuck themselves. And I don't mean, and I don't mean like just walk down the street. And, yeah, fuck you. Uh, I mean, do you don't need that? No, I kind of get the uh, impression that you might I, do. Something. I, I have, I I do road rage because I think it's funny. Honestly, mm. like I, it's I, I work on. Well, there's a guy who um, carries as well. That's a. It's not that kind of road rage. I, I like work on one-liners and crack myself up all the time. Like I try to very quickly identify who the person is and insult them in a way or their behavior, right? It's just a mental acuity thing, I guess. That's why you need the word wanker more <laughs> uh, in yeah, America. Yeah, we do. I mean, we don't have a word for somebody who just fucking jacks off all the time. I guess neckbeard or uh, incel, but those... Wanker, those, you need... Wanker is a good one, yeah. It's like... I would love to see the uh, uses of wanker, and I'm pretty sure that road rage is like. Oh, it's got to be the right one at the of top, the yeah. one of the highest ones. Yeah. yeah, but the the point is, yeah, you, you somebody says something or creates something, some institution that is disagreeable. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to say, "I'm not going to get involved in that" because they need that. Correct. Right? Uh, having wealth makes you powerful in a way that you can say no, but also that you can tell other people. To say no, for example, <clears throat> if there is a short-form blog-style social media apparatus that's engaged in quite a bit of censorship, particularly towards one side of the political aisle. Fuckery. Fuckery, yeah. And you're, let's say, I don't know, a billionaire that owns electric cars and shit like that, and you decide, I've had enough of this. Now you can do something about it. That... That, that's pow- That's real power, in my opinion. Uh, and leveraged appropriately as well, right? Which is a big deal. Even on a smaller scale, right? The, the normal every guy's scale, wealth is the ability to do what you want, mm. when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want, and no one gets to tell you otherwise. Yeah, and that's really good for the market too because the market then gets set organically by people who are making decisions. As opposed to by necessity. Yes. As opposed to by edict, I guess, would be more appropriate, right? Because if, if the people in power are trying to shape what you're doing, typically it's for their cause, not yours, not for your own good. I mean, think about <clears throat> the medical advice we all got in the middle of 20th century. Like, you got to stop eating so much fat. Eats, here, here's corn syrup and fucking carbs. Oh, Make sure that you eat three meals a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a five, right? Like, what, at what point in human history did we just cruise around eating five meals a day? But that was real, like, from the early 2000s, like 2002, three, through the mid-teens. It was like, I eat five small meals a day, keeps my body energized. Like, no, it doesn't. You're, you're, you. you're, you're dying. <laughs> you're literally dying. dying. Stop Quicker. eating grain. Um, but, the you know, on the other end, the keto stuff, too, is... Gotten a lot of control. Well, everybody 
decides to attach an ideology to whatever it is that they're mm. into, right? And again, this is that God-shaped hole thing, right? You know, maybe maybe the thing that you're adamant is the reason for your existential crisis in life is identity politics, or yeah. it's transphobes, or it's meat eaters, or it's fucking gluten, or whatever, right? People want to try and find the, vic- the villain and point mm. the finger at them. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, I. I We do that with the things that we consider valuable. And that's the problem that I'm having is, is I don't value the same shit that other people do. And I see it as very detrimental that people value the things they do, like popularity. And uh, I, like, there's some degree of social acceptance that is a part of the formula that turns you into a good person, right? Because yes. neg- negative behavior, getting a negative response, that's appropriate. It should happen that way. But... When your entire identity hinges on that, now you're in trouble, right? Again, kernel of truth in it. Mm. We can't deny that there is a, uh, an amount of prestige and social status mm. that makes us feel like we belong, right. that makes us feel proud of the things that we've done. We're social animals. The <clears throat> point, Peterson again, right? Dominance hierarchy, mm. competence hierarchy. The uh, lobster at the top stands up more straight, mm-hmm. got more serotonin, yeah. right? The same system, 350 million years. It's as old as trees, yeah. right? That is something that we can't get away from. Mm. What happens when you commoditize, commercialize, weaponize that? When you turn it up to 11? Yeah. What happens? Then it it gets completely molested. Yeah. It's, and it's, I I don't know, I I don't remember a point in human history, like I I try to think of um, like the Great Awakening and shit like that, where the period of religion having complete control of science went away, right? Like we may be, uh, we may have colonized the entire solar system by now, if not for that bullshit. Um, Who knows? But I think of that. And then I think of the Great Awakening until now where um, religion has still got a pretty strong hold on a lot of this stuff. Or, uh, you know, it's still people found a way to politicize science outside of religion even, right? Things that have nothing to do with your, maybe your uh, your eternal belief system, if you want to call it that, but just stuff that's moralized now. And the effect was the same. It, it removed the meritocracy element out of the science entirely. And it was an agenda-based situation, the same way that the Catholic Church did for years and many others, not just then. Um, So I haven't seen an example in human history of an institution controlling thought like that that evaporated entirely. You know what I mean? So Thomas Paine, rights of man, super important. Um, A lot of the books of the founding, a lot of the the works of the founding fathers and then a lot of the English common law writers as well, uh, thought leaders, uh, even uh, I know as an Englishman this hurts, but a lot of French people writing about democracy and shit. I know, fuck them, but they did do some democratic shit. Um, A lot of those thought leaders produced this grand idea that in the 18th century seemed great, and it didn't last very long, unmolested. So I'm not sure how to... I mean, you're talking about manipulating human behavior, right? 
but you don't want to be a, the kind of person that wants to manipulate human behavior. So I don't know how to do that other than just teaching people how to think and teaching people that it's okay to challenge things, whether you're right or wrong, right? It's not about, you can't get emotionally invested in having the right answer, or I'm sorry, in, in being the person that gave the right answer, like pride of authorship is not good. Having the right answer is important. Being the person that discovered it, less important, right? I don't know how to communicate that to people in a way that's going to fucking resonate with them and where they can shed this pathological desire for social acceptance. Well, not if you're playing by the rules that you've just said that you are. Mm. One of the problems is you've got asymmetric warfare going on. Right. If the other side is prepared to use every cognitive, limbic, hijack trick in the book, and you <laughs> decide to say, well, I have some lines that I don't want to cross. I don't, I, I'm happy to inform but not manipulate. Right. I'm happy to convince but not coerce, right? If you're prepared to do that and the other side isn't, you go, okay, well, who's going to win? Right. Not the person with the best information. It's the person who's got the best tactics. So what do you do? Well, it's difficult. This is, this is where legislation actually is useful, mm. right? Because you, you need to mandate this back down because people are going to go toward, why is it that uh, smoking information on cigarettes, right? Smoking, mm. although I'm not a smoker, is... I mean, people that haven't traveled to Europe uh, don't know the full, uh, uh, <laughs> the full range of that because in a lot of European countries, it just says smoking kills on the front. Dude, or in Spain? Like that. In Spain? Fuck you. We're smoking in bed. We're smoking yeah. all day. <clears throat> Go into Madrid or the streets of a, a Canary Island in the, in the Mediterranean mm. and you're going to see... Uh, sorry, in the, it's not in the Mediterranean. You're going to see Balearics. Mm. People outside of a restaurant at 10 p.m. Mm. sitting down for dinner, yep. chain smoking yeah. outside, wrought iron, lovely, beautiful Venetian blinds above or some mm. open windows. Someone's playing a mandolin over the far side, chain smoking all night. <laughs> yeah. They don't give a fuck. That's just the way. And the, his, his, I think I said this to you last week about the expectation effect that um, people in France eat objectively worse than people in America. It's called the French diet effect, right? So people in France eat objectively better, mm. but the information and the lifestyle and the beliefs that they have around their food are, are completely different. It's just, look, I'm going to have a baguette that's drizzled in olive oil and butter, mm. and I'm going to have myself some patisseries en yeah. endlessly and smoke a cigarette. There's an old uh, French saying, if you're going to, a French culinary saying, if you're going to use cream, why not just use butter? <laughs> Yeah. I've got some friends that like to party that do something similar to that, I think. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm not trying to completely lubricate this. I, want, I can chew it up and stuff. Yeah. It's fine, yeah. But yeah, it's, that, that's really interesting. And then in England, like you're, if a, the front of a pack of cigarettes says smoking kills, right? Or something like that. Oh, it's big. It's a big boy. Or it's, it's, a, it's like a big skull and crossbones or something. Oh, yeah, I mean, depends. in the UK, <laughs> they've got the images of arteries mm. that look like fats coming out of them. Mm. I mean, it's pretty graphic. They've got... They've, as far as I could see, it's, again, it's easy to say it would have worked on me as someone that didn't have the addiction, right, or the right, compulsion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that the anti-smoking uh, legislation and the way that that's been implemented is pretty fucking effective. Well, making it inconvenient for people certainly Going is outside? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like making something inconvenient for people is, is probably the most effective way to get something done. Um, but then again, making it inconvenient for somebody to go 
<clears throat> to a restaurant or buy groceries or travel because they didn't get vaccinated, for example. Now you're giving the same, like whatever power you give the government, you give it to them. That is the, the, the problem with <clears throat> most, like the, the sign of a clear, a good piece of legislation is that it's clear, concise, and enforceable. Like clear in its intent, concise, and in that it only applies to the very narrow thing that it should apply to and enforceable in a way that there's actually teeth to it, right? Those are the three elements of good legislation. And like we're talking theoretical about, yeah, legislation can be good sometimes, but that's not how it works here. Not in America. We pass omnibus bills that have all kinds of stupid bullshit in them. Uh, Canada just passed one, just some random bill, and it's got like another $100 million for vaccinations. That like what the fuck you don't need that shit anymore snuck in in the yeah. footnotes yeah like what the fuck man uh and, and it's not it's not all about vaccines and shit that's not the point i'm trying to make the point i'm trying to make is that i'm looking for a real solution to this one that doesn't necessarily involve <clears throat> relying on the government because i don't think you can rely on the government uh one of the things that i like to tell people is that your job as somebody who values <clears throat> liberty is to make liberty more of a reality for other people, right? Like if you can turn your pain and suffering into empathy for others, you can save both of your lives, typically, is something that I, I tell people a lot. If you can find ways to box out the government, so your, your neighbor down the street has a problem, instead of having to rely on a government, uh, an institution that is intrinsically corruptible and likely corruptible as well, if you can just solve that problem for them, then... The problem ends right there. It's low-level conflict resolution. It doesn't just have to be conflict between the two of us. It could be conflict between you and somebody else, you and nature, you and existence. And if I can help you resolve that at the lowest possible level, then we mitigate the opportunity for fucking uh, corrupt power to take advantage of us collectively. I've come to the same realization, but from a little bit of a different mm -hmm. angle. So the fact that um if there is something that you go through in life, some sort of trauma, some sort of difficulty, some sort of challenge that's really, really hurt you, one of the best ways to transcend that is to use the things that you learned to then go and help other people. I mean, you see it all the time. To get past something. Like survivors of addiction and rape are the best people at communicating with people who are... It's, <clears throat> it reminds me of this... Uh, you ever watch that show, The West Wing? Very, very briefly. If you want to learn completely how American government doesn't work... And a liberal, a liberal fantasy of how government works and watch that show. But yeah, it's, uh, there's a story that uh, <clears throat> the chief of staff tells to somebody else. Uh, I think it was the vice president, maybe. Or no, it was, uh, yeah, it's Bradley, whatever. Anyways, the story goes as follows. <clears throat> Man falls down a well. Uh, a, like somebody from the government walks by and he's like, hey, can you help me out? And he goes, sure, I'll go pass a bill that outlaws this uh priest walks by he's like hey father can you help me out he goes sure and he says a prayer and walks on doctor walks by he's like hey doc can you help me writes a prescription throws it down in the well he's like man this sucks right um <clears throat> then his buddy walks by and he says hey i'm trapped can you fucking help me and his buddy jumps down in the hole and he's like what are you doing now we're both stuck here and he goes yeah but i've been here before and i know the way out and that's what are the more profound ways to, to tell that particular story, right, that I've ever heard? That hit me. I think I saw that in, like, 2002, and it's stuck with me ever since. 
Um, and it's just that that story has shaped how I think about a lot of things, right? About how I think about processing emotion, <coughs> excuse me, personally, when things piss me off, right? Even in my personal relationships, you know, you're going to get mad sometimes. Why did the person do the thing that they did that made me mad? And what does it look like from their perspective? You know what I mean? Is a big, I think that's a, it's, it's, it's steel manning the other person's argument, basically. But doing so when you're, uh, when you're angry is not the easiest thing. It's, it's a fun challenge. Also realizing that people are just the accumulation of all of the different experiences and life events that they have, mm-hmm. right? This is Sam Harris's argument around free will and determinism. He mm-hmm. talks about Udayi Hussain, mm-hmm. uh, Saddam Hussein's son. And you think, okay, you've Like, got- who else could he have become? Precisely. Yeah. You know, you've got two-year-old... Yeah. Uday, Uday, I think Uday, it is. Yeah. yeah, Uday. You've got the two-year-old. He was and, the one that was torturing all the Olympic village people. Correct. Yeah, yeah. he's fucked up. One of the most heinous humans that's ever lived on the planet. Yeah. You think you're two, year, two years old, right? And you, you've got this father, those genetics, this mm. environment. You roll the clock forward. You're seven-year-old, and you're in school, and you're bullying the other kids, and maybe you're kicking animals or pulling the flies, mm. the, the wings off of flies or something. And, and then you roll forward, and you're 12 years old, and you're starting to become a man. You're in this honor culture, and there's these expectations of you. And just continue to tick the clock forward one day after a day after mm. a day. And then you're torturing people in a, that have been to an Olympic village. You go, well, who else could, could he have become? Yeah. Um, and this is the problem as well, you know, to talk about the criminal justice system. You have one which is predicated on retribution, not on rehabilitation. Right. And yeah. what you do is you... Well, cr- we've never even attempted rehabilitation. I, certain countries have, in Northern Europe especially, like Sweden and shit like that. But the West in general has never taken a rehabilitation-first approach to criminal justice. Never. I, maybe it's because of religion or something. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Maybe it's just because people are angry and revenge is easier than rehabilitation. I don't know. But you're right yeah, about it's not that. Re- it's not about redemption. No. It's not about, and what you do is you create essentially a university for criminals mm. where if you made some minor transgression... Mm you're now thrown in with people who have done much worse than you. And they're going to teach you or influence you in a way, again, that limbic hijack that we were talking about. Oh, well, when you get out, you're going to struggle to get a proper job. Yeah. Which is true, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like it happens, that piece of propaganda happens to be true. So they get out and it's immediately reinforced. That becomes, that's a core belief for them at that point moving forward. And we do nothing to, I mean, look, I'm I'm not saying that we should take it easy on crime. That's not the point here. The point is that we are the byproduct of our current process is fucked up. So, I mean, what do you want to do? You want to just fucking kill these people and be done with it? Because the, there's, we can reintroduce people into society that have been trained to do what you said, right? Which is to be career criminals. We can do that because it's the, it's the right thing to do to punish them, but it's also the right thing to do to let them go at some point. But there's a third element there, right? Like these people have to be reintegrated, reintegrated into society in some way. We, it's the same mistake we made with post-traumatic stress and, and military people. We, we, we did nothing to reintegrate these people back into society. Like you, <clears throat> my last deployment on Sunday, I was driving around Baghdad fucking people up or southeast of Baghdad fucking people up. And Wednesday, I was driving a car around in North Carolina, right? Not good. Because that, that was a point in my life when road rage was a bit more of a problem. 
know what I mean? Like actively looking for somebody to fight. You know what I mean? And it's, the parallels are not the same. I'm not saying that soldiering is the same as being a criminal. But when you add all those elements, uh, like taking away your agency, for example, and, it, and war does that. Like you have to do certain things to stay alive sometimes, things that you may find morally reprehensible. And I assume that prison is probably similar in a lot of ways. <clears throat> and then you add all these other elements, people that don't understand. Like I'm trying to explain to you, like you're, you're thanking me for my service and I'm trying to tell you I need fucking help. You know what I mean? So even when, it's, even when the, the communication is honorable between the two people, it doesn't work. So why should we expect it to work when it's somebody that has done sh- stupid shit and now has to go reintegrate? And it just doesn't work that way. And we've done nothing to fucking try to... I mean, individuals, some small organizations have tried, but the, the institution itself has never even tried. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> there's over... I think over a dozen states in the United States that have contracts with private prisons and they are required to keep a certain number of beds filled in those private prisons. Otherwise the state owes that corporation money. Like a hotel occupancy. Right. Yeah. That is a real thing. California does that actually great liberal California. They have a number of private prisons that have uh, bed requirements. Arizona's one. So it's red states. I guess Arizona is a blue state this year, but Yeah. It's not, again, this is another one of those existential issues for our country that is portrayed as partisan and isn't in any way. Everybody is a piece of shit involved in that. Uh, and again, black pill. I don't see it. I don't see how we fucking, other than building these small communities and, and working on increasingly lower level uh, conflict resolution. I, it, it, but it's the same with anything else. If you're a fucking athlete, <clears throat> If you're a cricket player, right, and you're not making good contact or you're a bowler and you're not, like, your, your pitches aren't going well, you go back to the basics, right? You relearn your fundamentals. And I think that's what we have to do as a society. I see a lot of people, like, homesteading and shit like that. Maybe that's a little bit too far because that's good for you, but is it good for everybody else? Do you think that there is a responsibility of the individual to the collective outside of their immediate family? Yes. I think you're responsible for anything that benefits you. Right? What do you mean? Uh, so roads, for example. Like, I, I am, I, I'm, not, I'm not a libertarian. I think their ideas on economics are a little, uh, frankly, they're kind of pedantic. Uh, but I... I, I I, I don't like to have my money taken from me by force and then spent on things that I find morally reprehensible, right? That's fucked up. But roads, okay, cool. Send me a bill, and we'll figure out how much the roads actually cost, and we'll pay that amount instead of giving you more and you using the extra money however you feel like it. But <clears throat> I benefit from that. That's what Obama meant when he said, you didn't build that back in the day. Everybody gave him a lot of shit. It was ineloquent for sure, especially from a man who typically was eloquent, so I understand why he got lit up for it. But what he meant was the infrastructure of community is what allows a lot of the stuff to happen, and that's absolutely true. It's true that that is the case. But that doesn't give you the right to tell me what to do. That gives me the responsibility to do the right thing. That's not the same. And we don't see the difference here. Like People have resigned themselves to believe that if I'm going to take part in this stuff, then just 
I just have to, I just have to suck that dick. It's got to do it. But <clears throat> I think the, the appropriate response is to man, do things that strengthen the part of the institution that matters. So um, what we now know, speaking of the crime thing, for, for decades, for actually for a couple hundred years, uh, studies in criminology suggested that poverty was the number one predictor of crime. In America now, particularly among people under 30, fatherless homes are the number one predictor of crime. So how do you address that? <clears throat> we can't create fathers out of nowhere. We can't force irresponsible people to be responsible. You can't do that. Like you can, you can incentivize it to some degree. Uh, you can penalize not doing it, but you can't force the behavior to happen. So you're an adult male in, in, a, in a community, and you go fucking coach a Little League team. Go coach a fucking Pop Warner football. Do something, right? You can do something. So, yeah, I mean, certainly you've got a responsibility to do shit like that. Not only do you have a responsibility to do it, but you can, like, the effects of that are immediate and, and apparent. And, 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 and it's, it, it, it also stops a lot of the shit from happening that you don't want to happen. Like, public school teachers aren't now indoctrinating your kids if your kids have been, uh, when I say your kids, I mean the kids in your community, not just your kids. Uh, they're no longer able to do that. <clears throat> if you've instilled a critical Socratic mind in that child, one where they know they can come ask you questions if they have them. And if they don't have that, they're going to believe whatever the fuck they're told, or they're going to believe nothing that they're told, which is just as bad, right? We're either creating fucking idiots or cynics. And neither of those is a good solution. People use cynicism. I've seen this increasingly recently. The use of cynicism as a proxy for being smart. Yeah, yeah, it is. Just because you're cynical, yeah. it doesn't mean that you're smart. It comes across like smarts. It's, it's, it seems similar to smart. Because it's cynical and skeptic, <clears throat> not a million miles apart from each other. No, I mean, Michael Shermer is probably the number one skeptic, right? That's his whole job is to be a skeptic. He, he's, a, he's a science historian, which is a weird job to have, I guess. I mean, somebody's got to catalog all that shit, I guess. But... <clears throat> He's, uh, and he will admit this as well. He's right a lot and he's wrong a lot. But he doesn't take it personally either way. <clears throat> and I think cynical people take it personally. Uh, and I understand it. I mean, you get lied to as much as we lie to people these days. How can you believe anything? Like, it's, a, it's an act of faith to believe what another human being tells you unless they can prove it in some way. And we, the, the way we develop faith, I love Harris's work on this, by the way, the way we develop faith is either blind, which is not great, or we use the Socratic method to determine that this is a fuck. It's a cost benefit analysis. That's all it is. Like, this is probably true. And here's some corroborating evidence to that effect, right? My dad has been historically abusive. There's no reason to value that relationship. That's a, that's a smart thing to do. Or <clears throat> this, my mother or this person I know, this mentor has always given me good advice and they've done so without an agenda. So when they tell me something, yeah, I'm going to go check it out, but I can start from a position of this is probably true. And it gives you a head start on things, right? You don't have to go back to zero on every single thing. It's an important part of being a human being and cynicism destroys that. 
Like you go back to zero on every single thing. And if you have to go from zero to belief, zero to 10 on every single issue, you're never going to believe anything. Like you're not going to be able to develop a personality. Your, your personality becomes contrarianism. And that, you're just a cunt at that point, right? I mean, that's, it's, an easy, it's the easy way out. It's like suicide. People like social, say that. That's, that's what it is. It's social suicide, I think. I, I would agree. I mean, it, who wants to be around that cynic? You know? It's, it's, it's funny for a while, but then it's exhausting. Yeah. Like, Jesus well, it, Christ. That's something that's kind of weird in uh, popular media a little bit, because the cynic in, I don't know whether you've watched Succession. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Roman is kind of a little bit like this, the he's, trickster cynic. He's, been abu- he's the sneaky fucker. Yes, yeah, yeah. but there's an element of cynicism yeah. in, in him, right? And yeah. it, in that, there's something kind of romantic and, and, and sort of cool and mm. playful and yeah. tricky. Uh, and I do wonder... It's like you're too cool for everything, yes, right? Like I, I don't get involved in the, the, the mere mortals precisely. Bullshit, yeah. yeah. Uh, how, the problem being that, that that person is fucking really, really entertaining to watch on a screen. Yeah. He's a shit friend to yeah. have. They I also, want to be friends with them. That person also has no real influence over anything in their life, right? Like if you <clears throat> educating yourself on something and then taking a, a firm stand on it gives you power, right, to shape the things around you. And it's an important thing. It's why uh, ignorance is so dangerous because you can be <clears throat> manipulated so easily. Uh, and there are always going to be people and groups who are trying to manipulate you and most of the time, they're going to be bad actors, right? Because that's what bad actors do. Um, some people do it, the noble lie stuff. But even that is like, I mean, we're seeing that now. The noble lie used to be, you know, I used to have a little bit more tolerance for that sort of thing back in the day, like telling kids, like, hey, everything's going to be okay, buddy. Don't worry. And I, there's some of that that's still true, but... <clears throat> the way that's been weaponized now, like rules for thee, not for me situation, right? It's, it's, it's really just become a tool of the patrician class to box everybody else out. And that's why I'm still doing this, still hanging on by a threat and not completely blackpilled because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the kind of, well, one, I'm not going to leave other people behind. I'm not just going to leave because everything's fucked up because what does that make me? You know what I mean? Oh, that's the responsibility to other people yeah. that we spoke about earlier on. I can't do it. I've tried. And it's easy. It really is easy. Uh, to, Especially for me. I don't give a fuck about human interaction. I could go fucking weeks without talking to another person. But that's not the right thing to do. And you have to, at some point, <clears throat> you have to decide how you're going to handle challenges. Right? Are you going to are you going to overreact rage or like manic depressive or rage or something like that? Or uh, somebody tells you something that you disagree with. Are you going to try to discover if you disagree with it or not? And things get hard, you're going to leave. And when you leave, are you taking other people with you or are you just going by yourself? And <clears throat> I don't know. I think there's something, uh, innate in, in our character that, that makes us want to stay and it takes effort to get rid of that for a lot of people, right? 
So every time you choose to do the right thing, it gets easier. And the same is true for doing the wrong thing. Uh, like any other muscle, right? Or any other skill or trait. <clears throat> and uh, I just can't figure out, like I know that I need to be engaged, but I, and, and I, to the paradigm you mentioned before, I'm not going to fucking manipulate people. It's just not going to happen. Like if I, I feel like if our society or the human race in general has to be manipulated like that to do the right thing, then it doesn't deserve to exist in the first place, right? It's irredeemable. So I'm not going to do that because I think that would also be a cynical view. I think it's very cynical to tell people to trust me, do what I say, and not give people the fucking tools to make their own decisions. I think that's a form of cynicism as well. And it's, I think it's far more dangerous than just like... <clears throat> than just being a dick and, and, you know, retracting from society. Like, getting involved more in society to try to fucking determine what other people do by force, by mandate, is a big problem. Well, there's heroism in hope as well, remember. Mm. You know, a lot of people see heroism in the person, the ascetic that fucks mm. off to the woods and looks after him and his family right. and stuff like that. And you go, well, okay, well, who's carrying the bigger burden? Who's shouldering the bigger weight here? You go, well, you might say, well, fuck them. I don't owe the rest of the world anything. And you go, okay, well, and that, that doesn't seem like a particularly noble position to take to me. It doesn't seem like a particularly heroic story for me. Like a heroic story is to take the traumas and the difficulties and the things that you have and help bring other people up as well. Right. <clears throat> but I can tell you, your buddy who's going to throw this event uh, it, it, it works at a small level <clears throat> and the bigger it gets, the bigger problem it gets for the uh, establishment, whatever it happens to be, local government, state government, or belief systems that are getting challenged, whatever it happens to be. And people get wild when you do that. Like the Branch Davidian. <clears throat> what was that? Uh, in Waco, Texas. Uh, there was this guy, David Koresh, he thought he was Jesus or some shit. Um, was he? <clears throat> no. Oh, well, shit. maybe. I don't fucking know. Uh, <clears throat> it was a bit of a cult. And <sighs> although none of the people involved ever, like there was no evidence of child abuse, that's what they used to go deal with that situation. There's women and children being held captive. And, and this Branch Davidian. And most of the, <clears throat> most of the uh, propaganda came after the fact, after they burned the building down with all those people inside of it, right? How many people died at the Branch Davidian, Bob? Probably like 100. 76. 76. <clears throat> Man, when was this? Uh, 1994, maybe? Fuck. 93, yeah. So you've heard of the Oklahoma City bombing? Yes. Uh, he did that in response to the Branch Davidian and to Ruby Ridge, a couple of other standoffs with the ATF. Um, or at least that's what he said. Now, that doesn't make what he did okay. He killed women and children as well. But the federal government decided that this guy, <clears throat> who was doing something that they didn't like, was a danger. 
not just, and you can read the internal memos. It wasn't that he was a danger to the women and children in there. It's a danger to uh, good order and discipline or something like that. And they burned the building down around him. So you're not just fighting human nature. You're fighting power in general. <clears throat> and that's why like, people ask a lot about um, if you have such a big problem with the th- way things are going, why don't you run for office or something like that? Like, come on, man. That's, that's a pretty naive viewpoint, in my opinion. Like, there's 438 people in Congress and another 100 senators, I think. You can like be that. one of them. <clears throat> and yes, those people can't get fuck all done and never have been able to. Uh, it is all a big charade, right, with those guys. And there, there's... Unless you were able to get similarly minded people, and I mean people like Michael Schellenberger, who's running for governor of California now, and God fucking hope he wins. You know what I mean? Well, we thought that we had that with uh, Larry Elder. Yeah, well, he's he's kind of a... I I think that guy was a little daft in your parlance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, good good word. uh, I'm not sure he was really up to it. Michael Schellenberger is one of the smartest human beings I've ever spoken to. Serious human. Yeah. Um, He is... uh, You're familiar with his work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All that stuff. He is... uh, a, he is a liberal, and I don't just mean classical liberal, but there are some there are some hints of progressivism in his ideology as well. But he is a very reasonable human being, and he sees facts for what they are. He just happens to have different solutions to problems that I might give. But if I went to him with a potential solution, he would measure that based on its merit and not based on its source or its ideological impact, right? And that's people like that you replace the 538 with that, then you can do something maybe. Remember what we were saying about asymmetric warfare earlier on though. If Schellenberg is going to come in and not play the ideological games, he's not going to pick things that he knows are going to immediately be seductive to his side. Right. That puts him at a disadvantage. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, you're always going to be a, at a disadvantage if you're not willing to fucking cheat. To play the game. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I understand your uh, reticence or... Uh, disposition around thinking that's a really stupid simplistic answer to say why don't you just run for office right. so what you're saying is I have a problem with the system and what I'm going to do is perpetuate the system and play by their games in an effort to try and fix it Yeah, it's obviously I mean, not going to work I've seen it happen quite a few times people that go to Washington with the noblest of intentions who immediately get corrupted I mean think about AOC for example this is a very, this is, it's such an interesting thing Like she's done some stupid shit at the local level the all the hell she rose about that Amazon factory up there, effectively what she did was get about uh, 1,000, 100,000 per year salaries removed from her fucking neighborhood. That was the, the end result of that, right? Which is, I guess, yeah, fuck Amazon. Why not? But you just took food out of the mouths of people and you <clears throat> shortly thereafter saw a mass exodus away, right? Like she, she is uh, as much as uh, COVID and the real estate market there is responsible for people leaving that area. But every single time it comes down to a vote, she's on the establishment side every time, every single time. So if somebody that radical 
can be captured so quickly by the establishment just because they want to stay in power. I'm not sure. <clears throat> like you see people like Thomas Massey or uh, Hawley from, uh, from Missouri. There's a couple of outliers, but <clears throat> what, what's two out of 538? You know what I mean? Like you, you would need a, an actual movement of some sort, and it can't be violent either because people don't respond to that. Violent overthrows don't last ever. And it needs to be coordinated because yeah. you can't do it piecemeal. <clears throat> no. You can't do it bit by bit because the defectors or the people that have come mm-hmm. in, in the, with the alternative points of view are very quickly going to be outnumbered by the ones that don't. Right. I mean, we, we've seen it quite a few times. There have been move, smaller movements. Uh, 2018, members of the squad are getting elected. 20, 2010, after Obama's first election, the uh, Tea Party people get elected. Most of them are gone now. I think there's one left. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this doesn't work like that. What happened to the Tea Party? Uh, they became uh, the, the firebrand for Trump. It's the okay. same, same group. The, the smaller parts, the, the really super... Well, the super MAGA people, uh, they are mostly Tea Partiers. Like, they're just disenfranchised. I mean, that, the Tea Party was just like, we don't, the, the system is fucked. So we're going to wear tri-corner hats, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> they didn't really have a plan. Like, tear it all down is not a plan. It's just like sleeping in Zuccotti Park for six months, that's not, you didn't do anything. You just slept outdoors. That's not protesting. Like the, the point of the protest is to get something done, right? Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm not sure what the solutions are. And it's getting increasingly more aggravating to me that many of us are essentially making a living and identifying a problem that we can't figure out how to solve. And you're doing a good job of elucidating stuff at the personal level. Peterson... Also, at the personal level, uh, when it comes to parenting and stuff like that, uh, Brett Weinstein and Heather Hang are doing a great job on stuff like that. Jonathan Haidt, Greg Lukanoff do a great job on that. A lot of thought leaders out there. But as far as government goes, I don't hear anybody saying anything that could fix the fucking problems that we're in right now. I think the problem is that coordination impact that we're talking about, right? Mm. You know. There are so many, and I'm not sure it's just government. I think it's anything when you start to scale it up to such a big, you know, what are we going to do about the prison system? How do you get consensus among a bunch of, especially amongst a bunch of, like, borderline cynical free thinkers? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's tough. That, that might be the problem of our generation. Well, think about it now as well, that you have this increase in a lack of hope, mm-hmm. right? You know, that, that if there was ever a time to convert cynics, it's not during a time when trust in the media organizations that give us our information yeah. is at an all-time low. Trust in the competence and the uh, faith uh, of goodwill mm. in the people that are in power is at yeah. an all-time low. You've got internal challenges between groups. You have intersecting ideologies that sometimes coalesce and sometimes fight against each other. Mm. You've got a distrust of the people that keep us safe, yeah. the police. Yep. Fire service. And from both sides, it's not just a liberal versus police issue anymore. After a lot of the COVID stuff, there's quite a few conservatives that are like not really thrilled about the way you were enforcing this bullshit. You know what I mean? Turn America into Europe, man. Fuck it. Secession. Everyone (laughs) gets to just go for themselves. Hawaii is sweet. Texas is sweet. Mm -hmm. Go for it. I, 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 I would 
I would prefer that. I mean, it's we know this from uh, uh, an electoral democracy, a democratic republic. That, uh, uh, and this is just a it's a matter of data as well. You have the most impact at the lowest possible level. In Austin, I'm one of one million people. In the United States, I'm one of three hundred thirty million people. That's just basic math, right? Um, <clears throat> in my small community, I'm one of maybe ten thousand, maybe less if you're from a small area, right? Um, that's federalism. We did that on purpose. Like that's the way we set this whole thing up is what you're talking about. Like we, we set this up so that the ninth and 10th amendment to the constitution basically say that anything not covered in amendments one through eight goes back to state government. That's, that's what they say, both in commerce and in social policy, basically. Um, but that's not how we operate. And I'm not sure, like I say, Texas should secede, and I believe that wholeheartedly, but I have no idea what that would even look like. You know what I mean? Like the entirety of the United States government would come to bear against that idea, and it, as it did in the Civil War, right? The this, nation of Texas. Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty dope, wouldn't it? Fucking cool. You've uh, got the flag. You've got a flag that crushes. Yeah, I mean, well, the flag is basically part of the American flag. So the Texas flag is that star in the bottom right corner and the oh, red and blue stripe. Oh, fuck. I never realized that. No. Why do you think that's symbolic? What do you think that means? Uh, it's the good part. It's the middle, right? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Texas does some dumb shit, too. Everybody does. But... I just think smaller groups work better. That's it. I mean, that that's maybe that is conservatism. I don't know, but it's it seems pretty fucking obvious. I w- I, an interesting question that a lot of people are obviously thinking at the moment is: When do you admit that trying to coordinate a country the size of a continent is too difficult unless you want to go totalitarian dictatorship? Yeah, I mean that's the uh, that's the problem, right? Like, government scales, sure, if you're willing to do certain things. Uh, And it becomes a problem of mission creep. Like, if the the goal becomes to control the problems of the population instead of to empower the population, then you will eventually arrive at authoritarianism. You have to. There's no other pathway to get there. Um. It's like a social tourniquet, you know what I mean? Like you have to take the fucking guesswork out of it. That's why China has 28 million people locked down right now in an area that produces a lot of our shit. So a month from now, we're going to see increased prices on pretty much everything. Did you see the video of that drone going around? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking Black Mirror, dude. We're going to have fucking Boston Dynamics docks chasing us down the street, scanning a fucking barcode on our hand. Did you get your next shot? Like... All right, bro. But it's, you know, <clears throat> I'm ready to fight. I, and I'm fine with that, too. But I, most people aren't. And they're also not fine with that. So I'm not going to force... I don't, I don't think it's appropriate when I, when I say I'm. I mean, this, this part of the movement can't force that. A lot of people are like, oh, we need to go to fucking war. And we, you, you do need to be ready to fight. But... It's hard to know, <clears throat> let's say you and I are 12 on the playground and there's some alpha shit going on 
we're trying to figure out who's dominant, whether we know it or not. We're talking a little shit or maybe we have a disagreement. It's hard to know when to actually start a physical confrontation. It's hard to know when to escalate it from discussion and even strategic shit to actual violence. And uh, it seems like the government is kind of intent on pushing people to their limit. And I can't tell if it's just like gaslighting or if it's just happening because that's the way things happen. You know what I mean? I would tend to lean toward it just being an externality. Mm. I don't think that it's coordinated. It doesn't seem to be, right? Like some some stuff does, but some stuff just seems like it's happening because that's what happens when shit gets this big. It's like water spilling over the top. Do you watch uh, Don't Look Up? That Netflix oh, yeah, thing? Yeah. 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 So in that Kate DiBiaschi, uh, her character has this fucking amazing quote. And they're talking about the fact that there's accusations mm. that the government has coordinated this for somehow to control the population and blah, blah. And she turns and she says, the truth is way more depressing than that. Yeah, it's just that everybody's fucking stupid. They're not even smart enough to yeah. be as malicious as you think. Yeah. Yeah. You, go, you can't say, and this is where you get uh, ideology creating conflicting thought patterns in people's minds because you have people that say the government is fucking useless, they can't do anything, also ascribing everything to some malicious actors. Yeah, like the same people that thought George Bush was a fucking retard uh, and uh, among them was myself. Uh, a lot of them also believe that he was the center of the biggest conspiracy in human history. Like, oh, it's, which one? You is can it? have one or the other, but you cannot have both of those things. Yes. Um, <clears throat> now, when it comes to true conspiracy, uh, Soros and the WEF, I believe all of that stuff. Like, he's funded. He put one and a half million into Gavin Newsom's recall election openly. Didn't even try to hide it this time. Over the past five years, he's funded. 275 district attorney and judge races in the United States. This foreign national billionaire. That's weird that we would allow that. What nationality is he? Uh, what is he? Fucking, he's not German. Uh, hold on. I think he's Romanian or some shit. Dodgy. <laughs> uh, he's a Hungarian. Hungarian, yeah. Even dodgy. Yeah, definitely dodgier. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the Klaus Schwab guy. I mean, they're taking stuff... I'm not sure. I think they're evil. I'm not sure if they're intentionally evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they may just be Careless, so reckless. completely out of touch that they're like, well, the only way to do this is to do it this way. Right? People, the, the population is too big now for everybody just to homestead and own their own shit. So people need to rent from us now. And that's, a, that's to, to us, that's a crazy thing to believe. But to them, it doesn't have to be evil to be wrong. Right? but it's a lot easier to fight tooth and nail against it when you think it's evil. You know what I mean? It's a more compelling narrative, right? Yeah. Who's fighting against an idiot versus <laughs> fighting against a supervillain? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how we address these issues other than to keep talking about it and try to get people more aware. I mean, crowdsourcing is pretty effective. Uh, that's why I think... <clears throat> uh, Twitter should definitely open source their algorithm. What would that mean? Uh, that means they put the AI code on the internet for everybody to see so people can see it. But what would right? that do? What would that facilitate? <clears throat> um, people would identify errors that are leading to unintended consequences. 
Right. Well, one of the problems that you're going to have with this is the engineers. YouTube is the example that I know this about, but I'm going to imagine it Twitter as well. The engineers at YouTube don't know what the algorithm does. Right. They can't describe what the algorithm does because it's mm. a reinforcement learning <clears throat> mechanism. And it's not that it's a black box they can't look in. It's an open box that it's when they look in, it's just fucking foreign information. Yeah. They don't know what's going on. Um, so perhaps with Twitter, because it's less algorithmically manipulated, mm. there's probably a little bit more degrees of freedom. But if you want to start opening up the beast that is the YouTube algorithm... <clears throat> yeah, good luck. No. Good luck. I mean, <clears throat> I know they have quite a bit of power as far as individual accounts and stuff like that, but as far as controlling the whole thing, no, doesn't seem likely. I, don't know. I learned this from uh, the guy who wrote the textbook, literally wrote the textbook on uh, artificial general mm-hmm. intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence, sorry. And he was saying that most people are aware of the fact that social media delivers echo chambery information, mm-hmm. right? Stuff you agree with, the stuff that you hate, that's going to get the most click throughs. What they don't realize is that there's two ways that a system can optimize for um, improving its recommendations in a feed. Mm. One of them is to make the recommendations better. Mm. The other one is to reprogram the agent to make their uh, desires more predictable. That's called manufacturing consent, right? It's the same thing that media does. It's, It's the big lie theory, right? Manufacturing consent is you program people slowly to arrive at the truth that you want them to, basically. Yeah, but I mean, remembering that the algorithms weren't programmed to actually do that. All they said was increase click-throughs. That was the only optimizing function, and yet they arrived at a similar sort of... We're describing fucking Tron, bro. Like, he tells Clue to create the perfect system, and he created a dictatorial regime. Because that is, to somebody that doesn't understand nuance or have emotion or skin in the game, that is the perfect system. That's the Matrix pods yeah. of MDMA again. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we're just fucked. We've been everywhere in this conversation. Yeah, it's been a long one. We've, we've got to get out of here. I've got to go to the fucking dealership. God damn it. Um, well, thanks for coming. We've got to do this again soon. My pleasure. Now that you're fucking going to become a Texan. I'm going to get you a hat. Done. I'm done. Fucking big cowboy hat. You, you should also get a gun. Can I say dang yet? You can say whatever the fuck you want in Texas, bud. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, and we'll get you some guns, too. Um, I think you should get one on the way in, actually. Did you not get your gun? No, sorry. Is that was that not supposed no, to be? No, not into the building, into Texas. Oh, right. No. Well, no. we got to fucking call the governor on that one. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming today. This is a great conversation. Hopefully, we can uh, do it again sometime soon. My pleasure, man. Say hi to Douglas next week. For I will. Me. I will. Thanks. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.